Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, 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 good morning, good morning, a pleasant good Tuesday morning. I mean, it's like clockwork here in Hamilton, Ohio. Beautiful. Beautiful. It really is. I mean, sun is shining, blue skies, not a cloud in the skies above. Thank God for all that. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 to 12. P. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We also broadcast live every day on Twitter. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, our growth by the thousands every month, 30 plus percent every month, we appreciate it. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. You know, it's always nice when you don't play and you still get a win. That was the case last night for the Bengals as the Buffalo Bills lost to the Denver Broncos 24-22. If you didn't stay up late to watch the end, I don't blame you. Buffalo was awful the entire game. But then in the final seconds, they won. Will Lutz misses a 41-yarder at the buzzer. Bills Mafia goes wild. But wait. One problem. The Bills had 12 men on the field. So Lutz then lines up from 36 yards out after the penalty, drills it straight down the middle. Denver wins. I don't know if you saw the comments from Bills coach Sean McDermott. He said his team had practiced that very transition three different days in practice this week, going from nickel defense to field goal defense. He said what happened is inexcusable. Hmm. At 5-5, five and five, are the alleged Super Bowl contenders done in the rugged AFC? Their playoff odds are now down to 19%. And what about the Broncos? A team that gave up 70 to Miami this season is all of a sudden kind of in that mix. They're 4-5. and five. As for the Bengals, they didn't practice yesterday. They will today with that short turnaround coming up Thursday night in Baltimore. Right now, subject to change, the team could be without its two best pass rushers in Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard due to injuries. The same could be said for wide receiver T. Higgins. Still bothered by that tender hamstring. This is as close to a must-win game as we have seen in the Zach Taylor era. Kickoff 8-15. One final note in the north. Deshaun Watson is waiting results from an MRI he had on his injured left ankle. He was seen in a walking boot yesterday at practice. Watson got hurt, stayed in the game in Sunday's win at Baltimore, went 14 for 14 in the second half, scoring 24 points. But he said yesterday, even with the walking boot, he said he will play Sunday against the Steelers. Love bringing in our guy who knows all about the rugged AFC North. Former Super Bowl winning head coach, our good friend Brian Billick. Brian, good morning. I'm assuming it's a beautiful day. You've got the golf shirt on up there, so that may maybe mean a little golf up there in Columbus. Absolutely. We've got a beautiful day up here, and uh, the course is just waiting for me to get there. All right. Well, we will keep you short. Let me ask you, can you ever remember a time where the AFC North is this good? Well, I said when the season started that, that we may see that the a AFC North was the best division, top to bottom, uh, in, the, uh, in the AFC, and did not think it was totally outside the realm, although because of the head-to-head, -head, it kind of pro uh, prohibits that. 
But obviously, you know, if the playoffs were today, which is one of the stupidest things anybody says, but you're, you're talking about three out of the four with, with Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland, Cincinnati right on the well. You know, Cincinnati, this game Thursday night is, is huge. Like you said, as close to a must-win as you've got to have during the regular season. They have got to be able to beat Baltimore um, uh, on Thursday. And it's a short week in Baltimore. So this is a tough task for the Bengals. Walk me through, Coach, um, what what it – and you've been in many of these situations before because you took so many teams to the playoffs. Um, when, when I say it's a must-win game, you just acknowledge it's a must-win game. But when you're the head coach, you never use that term to your team, do you, or do you? No, but you, ha- you have to be real with them because they realize, yeah, this is going to be a major hit if we don't get this one. But you focus more on the other. What a huge advantage. What, what's going to happen if we're able to pull this off? We're getting to the point of the season where a lot of teams, because as the divisions begin to settle themselves, you don't want to assume that your players see and know that there is a path to get it done. Because a lot of these teams are moving from their specific division. Cincinnati may very well move from the AFC North to the AFC wildcard division. And, and that is a division in and of itself because now you're talking about competing with the likes of Houston and Indianapolis and Buffalo and, you know, the other teams because maybe the AFC North has pulled out away from you and unlikely that you can get in via that. So you're kind of in a different division and, that, and you have to make sure that your players understand. Look, there is a path here, guys. Here's how the numbers work. And you show them the schedule of the other teams going, look, this is where these other teams can falter. We know what we have to do. So you don't you don't rely on subtlety uh, or, or the fact that the players just know that. All right. Well, well let me ask you this. Uh, I'm assuming you saw uh, some of that game, the Baltimore game. I shouldn't assume that, but 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 yeah. you know you follow it. What what happened there? I mean, they look to be in complete control of that game. Uh, I've read where this has become kind of a trend for them the last few years, where they've taken leads into the fourth quarter. I heard some stat the other day that their win probability in their last seven losses, that they had the lead in the fourth quarter, and that their win probability was like 75% or better in every one of them, sometimes reaching 90%. And they let some of these games get away, which they did clearly again against Cleveland. Yeah, it's, we talked about it going in. That, uh, that I thought Cleveland was the team that had the, was going to be the biggest challenge to all the AFC teams, and certainly AFC North. And the combination that Deshaun Watson looks like he was kind of getting back into the group, and that defense is so spectacular. And that's basically what happened. They got it got away from them early. You know, anytime you're on the road, you got to kind of survive the storm, and they did. And they showed that they were able to come back. And Sean Watson down crunch time, we just said, was 14 for 14. Now, if the injury going forward is going to be a factor. But they're a formidable team because of that. And and their ability to come back on the road at Baltimore is an indication that, that as good as the offense is doing, the defense is okay, but not a, the dominant defenses in Baltimore that we've made, maybe we've seen. So this, you know, the, but Cleveland and Pittsburgh are just one game back now of Baltimore. So this division is clearly still in play. I'm with you on, on everything you've said about Cleveland. I've said from the beginning, if the guy just plays a little bit this year, the guy being Watson, which in the second half he clearly did, uh, that they were going to be very much a contender in this whole thing, and they are. But I, I, I'm kind of curious. Baltimore has its share of injuries. I missed the. Uh, I mentioned the ones with the Bengals. Now all of a sudden, the Baltimore Ravens, which seemingly every year get hit with major injuries, and they just keep on winning. But now Staley, 
and Humphrey and some of these other guys uh, look like they may not be able to go Thursday night. I mean, when all shakes out, um, how much of a disadvantage is Baltimore without some of these guys that might not play? Well, that's what life in the NFL is in, in November. And as you approach December, which we call the, the dash for the cash, um, a lot of it beyond obviously how good a team you are is going to be dependent upon is how healthy you can be and when when you get those players back. So both teams are, are going to go in a little shorthanded, which is tough on a short week to begin with. Um, but but you kind of that's kind of the, the price of poker in the NFL. So it, you just like the coaches say, you just keep, you know, your next man up. Which is silly because the next man up isn't as good. If he weren't, you know, he wouldn't be the next man up, obviously. Right, right, right. It does affect you. But it still comes back to both those teams as long as Lamar Jackson is healthy and, and playing well in Baltimore and, and Joe Burrow is is healthy and, and, and playing well in Cincinnati, then both those teams, yeah, they, they have a chance. Um, last thing I want to ask you a little bit about here is Denver. Uh, you know, this whole thing, I, I just find this to be a fascinating story, even going back to last year and all the stuff with Russell Wilson. And look, you and I have done a ton of games. We've done playoff games together where Russell Wilson slinging it around and bringing him back to win game, you know, the whole nine yards. I mean, he was great in Seattle for a long, long time. Then last year, just terrible. Uh, and, and this year, it looked like they were sitting right on the edge of Sean Payton pulling the plug on this guy and maybe going in a different direction. What has happened there? Because, you know, I mentioned earlier, they're four and five, and they've got a last place schedule. They've got a chance, chance in that wild card division. Well, and Russell Wilson has the pedigree and, and again, has it's been kind of a maturation process. With, with Sean Payton and the offense that they're going to run. He was he was incredibly efficient uh, against Buffalo, 24-29, almost 200 yards. Uh, not particularly explosive. They only had the one big play. That's really the difference I see in Russell Wilson now from what you saw in Seattle, where the formula was played great, play great defense, run the ball well, and come up with that share of big plays down the field. They ran the ball well the other night, although they gave up a lot of rushing yards against mm -hmm. Buffalo, against that has not rushed the ball real well. So they still have some questions defensively. But, yeah, I think they're they're good enough offensively. And Russell Wilson seems to be getting into a groove that, yeah, they, they can be a factor in trying to claw their way back. And, and Russell Wilson certainly has the pedigree. I don't think he's done physically. He, he looks the same. It's just a matter of wrapping around him the assets that he needs uh, for him to kind of make those patented big plays. They're going to have to start to play better defense if, indeed, they're going to make a run. Actually, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was the team they beat last night in Buffalo. I mean, this was a team, and Brian, we've talked about Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and all this. I mean, they've had their fair share of injuries like everybody else, so you have to at least acknowledge that. But, you know, the, the, the quotes from McDermott last night, he's like, we practiced this three days this week, getting the field goal defense out there and getting out of the nickel. And then... Here comes the game. What happens there? Is it normally just a guy that's not paying attention on the sideline? Somebody maybe who's on the field that should be coming off the field is not paying attention? What normally happens in that situation? Not necessarily last yeah. night, but in those situations that you've been in. It's a lack of focus, and that seems to be the problem at key times. You know, Buffalo has all the talent. And, and, and like everybody, I thought, boy, this team's going to be – this is going to be the team to beat in the AFC. Obviously, Denver and Baltimore like – or excuse me. Uh, Kansas City and Baltimore, they're going to be good, and this is going to be a great fight. But I thought 
Buffalo was primed with that defense. Josh Allen, who's been who's played spectacularly, but it's it's been an up and down roller coaster, which says there's a lack of focus. Normally, their problem, for my money, leading up to this, was when they couldn't run the ball. Now they ran the ball well the other night, almost 200 yards. Uh, and Josh Allen, because of that, only you know he was kind of pedestrian, he only threw the ball 26 times. Uh, although he's capable of throwing it 40, 40, 40 times, 45 times, and completing 70% of his passes and having big plays. Uh, uh, so they, yeah, th- th- there's there's a, a lack of focus going on there. For Sean McDermott's part, yeah, you do practice it, but that transition, it could be that some of the guys in the transition were hurt. Maybe they weren't on the field. There was confusion about that. Mm. Uh, if in listening to the conversation, you, you when the field goal team, in my opinion, you make a mistake when you transition. You have a field goal rush team. Well, no, you go with whatever defense is on the field and you coach those guys up to be your field goal rush, uh, particularly when you're not really going to, you know, you're not going after a block or anything like that. So if they were trying to transition from nickel into their field goal rush team, now you're talking about a Chinese fire drill. So some of that falls on Sean McDermott. But for whatever the reason, the focus all year long at critical times hasn't been there. And, and that's why, the, you know, at five and five, you are what your record says you are. And that's what they are right now. Yeah, we ran your old buddy Denny Green's quote last night. We knew who we thought they were. So, Brian, thanks for the time, my friend. Have a great rest of your day. We appreciate it. All right, sounds good. All right, buddy. Brian Billick, Super Bowl winning head coach with the Baltimore Ravens. You think that place will be rocking Thursday night in Baltimore? You ever been there for a game? No, I have. Never been to Baltimore. It's a big league setup. It's it was one of the cooler stadiums I've been to. The concession. By the way, I I remember a couple things about it. Number one, concessions were really cheap. We went to Baltimore. Uh, it was for the. I, I did it for. I, I was working for a company called Bearcast Media. They're a school-run organization at UC. So we were there for uh, the American Conference basketball something, some kind of meeting. But anyway, we were in Baltimore for it. We get to the stadium. A bottle of water is like two bucks. A hot dog is like three bucks. It was phenomenal. The people there were all very nice. I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but they the, are. Ba- the Baltimore people were very nice. Yes, to they me. are. So I, I loved it. I love. Is it still called the bank? Is that what it is? is they it, refer to it. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. But yeah, Not like it. our banks. Yes. Was because the stadium like- is named after a bank. Correct. M and T Bank Stadium. Yes. So they call it just the bank. That's a big league nickname. That's a big league nickname. I mean, look. You know, you can be in the same division with, with, with the Steelers and the Browns, and you guys just sit around here and berate everything there is about either town or franchise or whatever. I like Pittsburgh. I like the city of Pittsburgh. The city of Pittsburgh. Oh, well, he loves Pittsburgh. He loves the Steelers. No. But I do think the, the city of Pittsburgh is very cool. It's gotten better. Very cool. It's gotten better. Cleveland. Well, Cleveland Cleveland sucks. is a blast. No, Cleveland sucks. Cleveland is a blast. I've but been- for a game night of all of those three places, even though Baltimore is by far the most dangerous place of the three. <laughs> I mean, it's not, I mean, it's like, you know, taking your life into your hands anymore in that town. Um <laughs> And that's not exaggerating, but it is. But the vibe around that stadium when they play there is just fantastic. Do they do they actually wear the like the purple camouflage and stuff like that? Like the you know what I'm talking about? Like the purple digital camo. What? Yeah, they like. I feel like every time they go, I see a primetime game out there in, in Baltimore. Like they're wearing like purple camouflage. Oh, I see what you're saying. Purple yeah. and black. Yeah, yeah. Purple, purple camouflage. Yeah. Like, it's disgusting. Yeah. They got it going on. I mean, there's a lot of purple in that stadium. And uh, it, it's going to be exciting. We're going to have Kyle Kasky coming up here shortly. 
to talk about, walk through some things that he saw on film. He has his show tonight, right at 9 o'clock? Yes, that's correct. All right, so he'll be joining us. Actually, it's 530. 5.30. I'm sorry. 530. 5.30? Why 5.30? Just a new time? Moved it up. Moved it up. From now on or just today? From now on. From now on, 5.30 here on Chatterbox Sports. YouTube, Chatterbox Sports, Kyle Kasky, 5.30p. Um, we got a lot of great feedback from so many of you on social media about that show last week. A lot of people chiming in after watching Kyle's stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, all right, we got a few other news and notes around sports, and then we'll pick back up on this Bengals conversation. The college football playoff rankings will be released later tonight. Does Ohio State stay number one? They had their best game of the year against Michigan State. I know it's Michigan State. Will Georgia or Michigan leapfrog the Buckeyes after big wins over the weekend? Does Florida State stay four? Or does Washington get that final semifinal spot? College shoes. Big League Paul, not with us today. Xavier did show up last night. Give it up to him. But in the end, they lose to number two, Purdue, 83-71. to 71. Reigning player of the year, Zach Eady, 28 points, 11 rebounds to lead the way. The big problem I have with college basketball, and there was a time in my life it was my favorite sport. But I got to tell you, virtually every game you watch, the home team shoots two to three times the number of free throws that the visiting team shoots. And it, it gets tired. If you just look at the box score most games, I'm not saying every game, but the overwhelming majority, the home team will shoot double the amount of free throws that the visitors do. Last night, no different. Purdue, 21 attempts from a line. Xavier had six. Am I saying the games are unfairly being called? All I can tell you is, when I was doing ACC basketball, when you went to do a game at Duke, you could take it to the bank that the best big man on the other team, they would be their second or third foul before the 10-minute mark in the first half. Do you think that refs just give in to the home fans? I don't know. I don't know. But I just do. I mean, I really pay attention to this one stat when college basketball starts. And, and, and look, you know, you got to remember a couple things now here in fairness, okay? I'm not badgering the referees because they're doing the best they can. Right. But what we have to remember is the better teams have far more home games than visiting teams. And you're saying, well, what do you mean by that? Well, when you look at teams like, I mean, even UC, right? UC will play six home games against a bunch of guys you never heard of before they play anybody good Correct. at home or go on the road against anybody good. That holds true for every top 75 or 100 teams in the country. They're going to be a huge favorite because they're playing teams that they should beat. So you're going to have better teams more often than not playing on their home floor than the visiting team with bigger, stronger, better players. So that would generally lend itself to a team getting to the free throw line more. But it's become out of control in college basketball. Huge matchups tonight and no home court advantage. You got a double dip in Chicago tonight. Number nine, Duke. Number eight, Michigan State. Number one, Kansas against number 17, Kentucky. UK, that's a nine o'clock tip. Another good game tonight. Number four, Marquette. Takes on number 23, Illinois. And by the way, NKU, they have a basketball team, KCU, alma mater. That's right. Will host DePaul, as in Greencastle, Indiana, DePaul. P-A-U-W, DePaul. That's, that's not a Division I school, is it? That's a sweet place, though. It is. That is a sweet So this campus. is not DePaul. It no. is DePaul. DePaul. 
Yes. Correct. Green Castle, Indiana. Interesting. Beautiful little town. I think it's a, that's a D3 school, right? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, baseball news. Corbin Carroll of Arizona. Baltimore shortstop Gunnar Henderson were unanimous winners of the National and American League Rookie of the Year awards last night. Did any of you guys, by the way, just on a, a baseball note, did anybody hear any of the quotes from Craig Council yesterday when he was introduced to the media? Did you pay attention being a I, cover I didn't guy? watch the, the interview or stuff like that, but I saw them come across my, my Twitter feed. I got to tell you, it was really impressive. It was, it, it was, I mean, he, it was from the heart, how hard it was to leave his hometown where he's born and raised, has lived mm -hmm. his whole life in Milwaukee, mm -hmm. um, to come to the Cubs um, and try to get them to the next level. Um, you know, it's a different kind of press in Chicago than it is in Milwaukee. No doubt. Uh, and they're going to ask some tougher questions than maybe he would get in Milwaukee. And he's such a smart guy. I mean, it's stupid how smart he is. And he, he just handled everything like a champ. And uh, I just thought it was very, very impressive. No, no bravado or braggadocio kind of stuff. But he's just like, you know, um, we, we got to the playoffs a lot in Milwaukee. Never got to where I wanted us to get. A lot of that was on me, you know. And, and it, was just, it was just an impressive press conference is what I'm trying to say. You, can, can can anyone blame him for leaving though? I mean, I know it's his hometown. I know I know he had a lot of winning in Milwaukee, but now he gets to go play on the north side of Chicago, where championships just rain down. Tom, I gotta tell you, yeah, they rain down <laughs> once in 140 years. Uh, the you know, I, I, I gotta tell you, I um, I haven't talked with him. I will. Uh, our wives are good friends. Craig Council, uh, because we were all together there when Craig mm -hmm. was playing for the Diamondbacks, and we, we've spent a lot of time together uh, socially. And so, I mean, I know him. I don't know him great. So I'm not going to pretend like I know him great. Uh, but I will talk to him just to congratulate him and all that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, and I said this to my wife last night, um, I would be curious to know what the last week and a half has been like, though, for the Council family in Milwaukee. Because look, like I said, try to put yourself in this situation for a minute, okay? Let's say you're born and raised in Cincinnati. Say your mom or dad worked for the Reds. You grew up rooting for them your entire life. Mm -hmm. You end up making it to the big leagues, right? And as a player, and you never played for the hometown team until the very end of your career. You get to finish your career in your hometown. You go to work for the team. You become the manager of the team. You have great success as the manager of the team. Meanwhile, you're raising your kids at the local high school, living in the little town where you grew up in. You never left. And then all of a sudden, you get to a point where one day you make a decision that you're going to go manage the St. Louis Cardinals or you're going to manage the Chicago Cubs. All these people who were your friends and loved you and all this kind of stuff, right? Right. Now, a lot of them, and I'm not saying they're correct because they're not, but we know human nature. A lot of them are going to all of a sudden look at you as a quote unquote traitor, right? Yeah, that's tough. Like that's, I don't know. And that's, that's part of the, the thing about him coming, right? And that's, as a, as a Cubs fan, that's why I like this move the most because it kind of, uh, asserts a little dominance over the rest of the division that you can pull a hometown guy that you can pull, pull someone that's had a lot of success in, in the rivals team. But yeah, that's, that's an incredibly tough thing. And 
you hope that the hometown fans don't turn on you for making the move, but you can understand if they do at the same time. Well, I, I, I'm thinking about it, not so much about him. He's got thick skin. You're a manager. It is what right. it is, right? But, but I, I mean, and again, I have not spoken with him, uh, but I, it just got me thinking last night when I saw the uh, pits of the uh, parts of the press conference. It, now, I mean, he's still got two daughters back there in high school. He's got two sons that are playing college baseball. One's at Minnesota. The other one is a freshman at Michigan. Very highly touted players, both of them, especially the one at Michigan, the mm -hmm. younger one, um, Jack Council. But he's got two daughters still right there in high school. You know how kids can be, you know? And it's not like he's going to pick up and move when his daughter's a junior and a freshman. And you're not going to move to Chicago. Nobody in their right mind would move from, Chicago to, to, from Milwaukee to Chicago. Just, just from what you pay in taxes alone, you'd never do that. Uh, but, you know, you got the kids in high school, and I just, you know, I hope, I, hope, I hope people are being cool. I've always said the nicest people of any state I've ever been to, and I've been to almost all of them, the nicest people I've ever been around it's in any one state is Wisconsin. What were you going to say? I thought you were going to say Michigan. I, I know you love the guys up, up north. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of good feedback, by the way, on your bit yesterday. Uh, which one? The, well, I still didn't understand the elitist thing. I didn't catch that when you said it the first time. When you when, I, when you referred to me, well, you being private school guy, well, refer I, to me and Casey as elitist when it just we seemed, are the public school guys. Pay our local taxes, right, Casey? That's right. We that's pay right. our local taxes too. You do. I know you do. <laughs> what are you talking but about? then the elitists have the cash on hand to go ahead and you know spend the big bucks. To go to the local private school. It just seems like you participate in more elitist things than I do. That when I look back at it, like I bet you, I bet you, and I bet you and Ruby, I bet you got a, I bet you got your own little booth when you go to Carlo and Johnny. I do. I bet you got your own little booth, <laughs> and, and you got your own steak named after you. I'm sure we so. did for a while, and then after my little trip up, it kind of disappeared. But Wait, go did ahead. You, did you actually? No, we did. We had the steak Brenneman. Yes, but go ahead. Well, nonetheless, it just you 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 belong to a country club. These are all things that the, the elitists do, and Elliot just doesn't have that. Do you pay your fees to Woodlands? I do pay my fees to Woodland Golf Club mm. uh, on the west side mm. of Cincinnati. It's uh, Again, it's a nine-hole course. Longest par four is 250. Do you have your own booth at Ron's Roost? I do have my own well, booth at see, Ron's Roost. Well, see, now you're talking a different ball game. So Ron's Roost is a quality establishment. It I'm is, very good friends great. with Ron. So, I, listen, I, I have my own little things. But, again, you compare it to Carlo and Johnny and whoever and – you know, the Incline House, all the, all these nice things that Tom participates in. And I, I just go to Ron's Roost or what's another one? Um, effing Good Chicken. Wild Mike's? Effing Good Chicken. You ever had Effing Good what? Chicken? Effing, effing N Good Chicken. F and N? Yeah, but it's it's supposed to be a little. I, I thank you very much. But yeah. it's supposed to be a little <laughs> play on words. But it's on the west. <laughs> it's, on, it's, on, it's on the west side. And again, rich people don't come up with names like that. So that, these are the places I go to, Tom. Just nice, quality, homely establishments. But what did that have anything to do with including me in anything positive you were saying about Michigan? I mean, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you, you, what is throwing, this? Were you throwing strays at Tom? I wasn't throwing he any kinda strays. Was. He kind of was. Call, he calls me an elitist because I went to Elder High School. That's right. Which is a salt-of-the-earth school. Uh, you Basically, you don't even have to pay tuition. You just do it because we just love it so much. But that it's, it, it's uh, elders might as well be a public school for people who just love to have fun with everybody. It's about the friends you make along the way. They do like to have fun. 
I uh, will give you, you that. Thank I have you. a number of good friends from Elder, and they are all fun guys That's to right. be around. I agree with that. You know why Elder's not an elitist school, unlike Baden and Anderson, Tom? Anderson? Yeah. Where does Anderson fall into this parochial school conversation? Well, Last time I checked, el- that's part of the Forest Hills <laughs> School District. It's not an elitist school, Elder isn't, because they're not playing in a regional championship, unlike the Baden Rams and the Anderson Rams. Very well put there. Ball put on a nice tee there. Blanchester playing any of those games this weekend? Don't think so. Why not? Didn't your homeboy help coach a team? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he was one of the offensive linemen, yeah. defensive linemen coaches. Tomas. Tomas, and then my other friend that you met at uh, at one of the one of the bars, Jed. He also works for for the team as well. So they couldn't get it done week the first week of the playoffs. Well, you said they had some guys hurt and they were shorthanded. And, yeah, and they, they, lo- they lost a lot of offensive it's line. A lot of yes, excuses. They did. They did. Yes, they did. It's a lot yeah. of excuses just piling up right there. A lot of guys hurt, short-staffed. Tomas is my guy. I'm not, not going to badmouth him, even though Casey killed him <laughs> for doing a mediocre job on his um, <laughs> I don't know how eight out of ten report. is I mediocre. thought it was a fantastic night. Steer the ship. Um, all right, boys, uh, before we get to Kyle Kasky, and he's up uh, any minute now, you know um, – we, we talk with Brian. I mean, the, 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 the Ravens have serious injuries, too. Yeah. They really do. They've got a lot of guys, especially on that offensive line. I mean, it could be interesting, right? The, the Ravens could be without their two best offensive linemen, mm-hmm. right? And the Bengals could be without their two best pass rushing yeah. linemen. Right. I wouldn't say best defensive linemen. Right. Hendrickson, yes. Hubbard's had a great year. Uh, but Reeder is, is, is certainly right there in that mix. But Man, um, there's a lot of drama here and a lot on the line, boys. You just heard Brian Billick say it. Bengals lose this week. They are in big trouble. It's it's not – you're right. Yes, if they lose this week, it, it, it does it, – it, the sky isn't necessarily falling, but just with the schedule, with everybody that's in front of them already in the playoff picture, they lose this week, then the road back home is, is bleak. I'm looking right at the the playoff odds from uh, New York Times right now, and it has the Bengals at a 44% chance to make the postseason. Yep, That's fourth best in the division. And if they lose this week, that's going to plummet on down to maybe even 25%. So, yeah, this game already has playoff atmosphere feel. And this is what the Bengals have sort of felt all season long after starting one and three, right? You got to beat the Cardinals. And, that, yeah, that wasn't a playoff thing, but you just knew it was a must-win game. And you keep on winning. You keep on winning. You go, all right, let's beat the Bills. Let's beat the, the 49ers. Then you give yourself a little bit of room. You're 5-3, and three, yep. and what happens? The Bengals fall down, and they lose to a Texans team that they should have beaten. So you're right back into having to win every single game. And if they can win a couple games in a row, yeah, then you give yourself some breathing room. But for right now, it feels like if they lose this game, season's in kaput. Yeah, I, the Bengals have lost 25 of their last 26 uh, a, a road road primetime games, yeah. if I got that stat right. I don't see a lot of hope here in Baltimore, which is unfortunate because, like these two just said, playoff chances look horrible. Horrible if you lose this. I don't know. I With, with the injuries that we've accumulated here, with no T. Higgins, no Sam Hubbard, no Trey Hendrickson, I don't see a way we win. And after that, I don't see a way we come back. I think I, there's a chance the Bengals could go on a historic run again. There always is with this team. Yep. But I'm a negative fan, Tom. And, and, and you lose this game, I, I don't know how you come back from it. You're fourth place. You're in, this, you're, in the, you're in the absolute basement of this division if you lose this. And there's really no way out. 
Right, and then you play nothing but teams over 500. At this very moment, there's not a single team on the Bengals' schedule that is under 500 on the record. So it's just it's tough. It's tough. Well, just about everybody they play. In fact, it, I mean, you could you you could say the Colts are still technically alive, right? They absolutely because of their division and 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 what their record is, and their quarterback's playing well, relatively well. Right. Um, there is not a team left on this schedule that is not fighting for their playoff lives. Because Correct. all of a sudden, we thought, you know, a few weeks ago, ah, Minnesota, they're going nowhere. Cousins is out, right? Indy stinks. Um, and, and, and we knew all about Kansas City, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Baltimore again. I mean, you got to win. That's right. Yeah, the more and more we get closer to this game with the injury report, how it's shaping up, the more and more I feel like this is going to be a game where Burrow just has to take over. He's just going to have to cook. He's going to be asked to throw the ball all over the field, deep down the field, and it's going to have to have a, a healthy Jamar. He's going to have to be targeted 15 times probably this game. And it's going to be a bit of a shootout. We literally just gave a 150-yard rusher to a third-string running back and a team that had struggled to get a 100-yard rusher for 17 games straight. Yep. And we're about ready to play a team that probably in the top three in rushing yards, probably maybe they, even they first. lead the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens in rushing attempts and rushing yards. The Bengals are last in rushing attempts and rushing yards on offense. And the big issue we had last time against the Ravens was that we were unable to get to Lamar Jackson. So it, Right. Not he had plenty of time, right? Not to mention, not to mention, he was giving up big play guys like Nelson Aguilar. Some of the bums he's throwing to were wide open down the field. Again, dropping passes left and right. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if if he has all the time in the world, then everybody's going to be open. They're going to they're going to kick our ass. Remember that story that Philadelphia fighter 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 uh, about Nelson Aguilar? Do you remember that? That's one of the greatest, if not the single yeah, greatest. Yeah, brought it up video. last time we talked about yeah, Aguilar. Yeah, that was he's unbelievable. Just, he's like, I'm catching the babies that's out right, there, unlike right, Aguilar. Right, right. Tom, before we move on, you, you were talking just about how the AFC and, and everyone that is still in the playoffs and everything like that. If you look at the AFC picture right now, there's only two out of the 16 teams that think they're out of it. Yes. Yeah. That's the Patriots. That's the Titans. Yeah. Everybody else, down to the the Raiders, who are five and five. The Broncos have won three games in yep. a row. Certainly, the Chargers, Colts, Texans, everyone in the AFC North, and then the Jets have the the hope of Aaron Rodgers in the AFC East. So, fourteen of the sixteen teams in the AFC, midway through the season, still believe they can make it. Yeah. And and why wouldn't they? Right. Especially the way they've played at times. Different team. I just can't believe Denver. I I, I just can't believe it. I mean, that team gave up 70 points in a game this year. They look terrible. And now all of a sudden, they're going on the road and beating Buffalo. Maybe Buffalo's not what we thought. They're not who we thought they were. Um, is Kyle Kasky ready to go? Long-time Division I and NFL coach, including here with the Bengals for over a decade with the offensive line and running backs. Now, Kyle, you are changing the time of your show. What prompted that? Now, all of a sudden, you've gone from late-night TV to now 5.30 TV. Well, uh, the uh, Denim Springs season has been over for a couple weeks now, and that was the biggest reason I was doing it so late is I had practice on Tuesdays, and uh, it allowed me time to, you know, finish up practice, you know, meet with the players and uh, get home. So now, uh, you know, my day ends up here at around 2.35, and – central time so allows me time to get home get it set up and uh, we can get it to more of the uh, afternoon crowd people that aren't asleep already 
Well, we had some phenomenal. Uh, you, your show continues to gain uh, extraordinary popularity. And again, that'll be at 530 today. Just go to YouTube right here, Chatterbox Sports. And uh, Kyle, you're going to break down a lot of film for us. I want to ask you before we get to some of the plays that you wanted to look at today. You know, look, everybody here in Cincinnati is going crazy about what happened here two days ago. And, and I mean, there's plenty of blame to go around. But from where you sit looking at film as a coach, uh, understanding, you know, the different aspects, offense, defense, you played defense when you were a player. Um, what stands out to you about the game before we get into actually plays in the game? I think one of the things that stands out more than anything, it's not necessarily just this game. The Bengals rank dead last in yards rushing, which people are going to say, well, their run game sucks or whatever the case is. But no, they, they're, they rank dead last in rushing attempts. And I wrote this down just now that the, they have 186 attempts on the whole season so far in nine games. To put that in perspective, Baltimore has run the ball 324 times. Mm -hmm. That's 138 more times than uh, the Bengals have have attempted to run the ball it means that Baltimore who leads the league in rushing has 876 more yards than the Bengals have and the Bengals only got 673 the the, the Ravens have 1549 but right. I think at some point you've got to you've got to run the ball I mean you know, most of these games have been one score games this has not been blowouts Tennessee was a blowout not, you know that other than that I mean most of the games you've been in have been close games now at the very end of the game, I'm going to – this is one of the clips I have. That it's the play, but I just want to make a point of this is Tyler Boyd had that long pass that uh, that he caught right yeah. before uh, the last the last little series down there in the, in the red zone. They had the ball, I believe, on the seven-yard line, and there was a minute 53 left, and they decided to throw the ball. He gets sacked. I get it. They called a timeout. Uh, Houston called a timeout after that because obviously the clock is running. But why not try to run the ball there – Go ahead and get, they were actually running the ball pretty well early in the game, and it just it just went away. And I'm not real sure why that part of the game's going away. And then if you look flip it to the defensive side, uh, I know they've lost a couple of the pass rushers right now, but there there wasn't a whole lot of pass rush on Stroud uh, when they did get it there. Uh, Stroud was sit, sitting in the pocket like we knew he would. And then other than that, they gave up 188 yards rushing to the I believe the 28th ranked rushing team in the league. if that's not an alarming stat wait till thursday night when the number one rushing team in the league is running against you at home yeah that that there's no question there is no and, and you know it's interesting because when you look at some other decisions that are made around the league and i don't know if you had a chance to see the whole dan campbell thing there with detroit so they, mm -hmm. they, they, they've got a fourth down and four, I think it was, right? Yep. There was about a minute 40, minute 50 left on the clock. It was a tie game, 38-38. He could have said, all right, let's kick the field goal. But then the Chargers would have had almost two minutes to go to get down the field to tie it or win it. He decides to go for it. He goes for yep. it. They get it. They run the clock down to nothing, kick a field goal, game over. You know, some of those decisions, I'm with you all the way. I was infuriated by that first down call. And look, a lot of people in this town are all over Zach Taylor's case about the play calling. But I just don't understand for multiple reasons what you just pointed out. I just cannot believe on first down there with the amount of time left in the game, where we were in the game, I can't believe that they did not run the ball there. Yeah, and I think that you go back to the Dan Campbell thing, and I, I was teammates with Dan Campbell at, at Texas A&M uh, for a couple seasons, and uh, I, I know what type of person he is. He's an aggressive dude, and he's going to – the thing that he looked at probably was 
his defense was having a rough day and the charge picking him apart. And he, he's probably thinking the same thing that you just said was you give them, you know, a minute and a half left on the, on the clock at that point, that was the way the chargers were playing on offenses, you, you know, you, you kick the field goal. Yeah. They could easily have stopped them, but at that point they weren't. And they said, you know what, if, if we're going to go for it here, if it's a tie game and then worst case scenario, if we don't get it, cause we have been moving the ball. Well, why not, why not go ahead and give our offense the chance to do it? You know, Ben Johnson's got that group rolling and, I mean, let them let them go ahead and, and get it, and they. I mean, they got it, and I think at that point, I think that has more to do with Dan Campbell as a head coach, and uh, the mentality that he has brought to that team, and the, the the belief that he's got in that offense, and and what they're doing, and you know, I'm not sure if the run game has that type of mentality right now in Cincinnati. Well, I know it doesn't. Yeah, it does not. All right, where do we want to start here? Um, what, what play do we want to run first? Because I know we have five of them. So I got Casey, I got three defensive okay. plays and two offensive plays. And, All right, well let's start. Um, Casey, where do you want to start? Let's start with this first play. That'd be a good place to start. The first. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. What are we doing here, Kyle? All right. So the the first play I got here. This is a uh, um, Houston was running a lot of play actions the other night, and uh, they, they what they were or the other day and what they were doing was if you watch this they're going to kind of half roll so they're going to fake to the they're going to fake to the left half roll to the right. If you watch Weaver that's running across the, the B right there, kind of behind my head there, um, what they're doing, they're playing a, a version of man and the corner Cam Taylor Britt that's at the top. So on this case, it'll be, he'll be on the right. So you can see Dax Hill's feet up at the top of the screen. He's supposed to pass that guy off to Dax Hill and Dax Hill doesn't get it passed off enough. They hit this play twice against, the, against him. It's like a, a half roll throwback on a deep cross. And that's something that Houston is, I mean, they're, they're known for doing this. This is one of the, their staple plays and uh, these crossing routes. And, and right there, they didn't get it passed off and they hit it twice. And they tried to come back to it a, another time and, and the, the Bengals actually had it covered. They tried to come back to a, like a, the same exact look, but they tried to hide a guy underneath and uh, the Bengals had it covered. But they, they had two humongous plays on those. And again, it was just the fact that they just weren't passing the guys off quick enough. Okay, now let's go a little um, bit earlier in the game in the opening quarter, seven nothing at this point in time, with about a buck thirty-four left in the uh, first quarter. Yep. So I, I don't know where you guys are sitting with the uh, the safety situation. I know I've heard some people, uh, you know, online say uh, Nick Scott is is struggling. Maybe we should give somebody else a chance. And uh, if you watch the the fit on this run play, um, and again, this is a run issue. So what they're going to do, they're going to bring a receiver over, and they're going to they're going to insert the receiver number two the tight end right here well you have a cornerback sitting up top right there cam taylor Britt, and scott number 33 you'll see from the end zone should have fit inside of the receiver and you'll see exactly what i'm talking about there's a gap created when number two comes over and inserts inside the tight end hendrickson has outside the tight end uh the three technique can't tell who that is has the b gap now number two creates two gaps now scott should fit inside mm. right where that ball hit and again that's you know that's one of those things you, you you don't as you're as a coach and your game plan and all you're trying to do at this point is get a body on 33. You're not trying to necessarily block him a certain direction. You're letting the back make a move because you knew you knew there was going to be two guys. There's an unblocked corner, but that's why you don't block corners. You, you uh, as a running back coach, I always told the running backs, guys, if 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 a corner if you're on a corner, that's you. You, you got to beat them. They're not paid to tackle. They're paid to cover and they're paid to get interceptions. Uh, you know their, their their job is not to play in a box and. Uh, again, he's got to fit that right. And that right there, you've seen, uh, you know, two issues right there with uh, 
you know, a safety not passing a guy off and then, you know, a guy not being in the right gap. Well, before we get to the next play, it's interesting you ask that because, uh, you know, Lou Anarumo was asked directly about this yesterday during his press conference. And he, you could just see in his body language, in his tone, that he is extremely frustrated with that safety room right now. Um, you know, they said, well, are you going to continue to rotate guys? And he says, yeah, I'm going to continue to rotate guys. I don't want to rotate guys. I'd rather have somebody step in there and make plays. But right now, I'm still looking for that guy, whoever that is. So, you know, look, Cam Taylor Britt, or I mean, Dax Hill has, has had his moments. There's no doubt about it. Looks like he's going to be a good-looking player down the road. But mm-hmm. he's still very young, first year as a starter. Scott just came here as a free agent. You got battle in some of these guys that are getting playing time back there. I don't know what they're – based on what you've seen, I'm just curious because you watch the game, Phil. Is there one of those guys outside of Dax Hill that you would say right now is playing better or at least well enough to get more playing time than the others? Uh, I, I don't think there is. That's okay. why I was saying it. I think you're kind of you're you're putting one guy in for another, and yeah, uh, they're all they're all fairly new. And and again, you know, when when you lose the the uh, you know when you lose your starting safety, um, losing my mind right now. Uh, that was here. Yeah, well, Von Bell and Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates is what I was saying. Von Bell as well. Uh, you know, you lose a Jesse Bates, and I know everybody was saying, man, he didn't live up to what he was supposed to. But I'll tell you, he's still a good player, and he was yeah. good in that defense. And Von yeah. Bell was very good in that defense. And uh, when you lose those two guys, that's a recover when you're bringing in, you know, basically, a, you know, brand a brand-new guy into the NFL and a guy who's new to your team. And uh, they just got to figure out – they got to get somebody in there that's consistent, that can just do it correctly. They don't have to be a world beater. Just, uh, you know, go in there. And they're called safety for a reason. They're the safety valve. So just – be the safety valve back there and make sure nothing, you know, breaks past you like like you've seen those last two plays. All right, we got one more defensive play, I believe we do here, right? So we are now yep. here. We're down to the final seconds of the game. So this play, if you watch this, this is the last offensive play by Houston. And the reason I'm bringing this up is if if they tackle the receiver where they where they should tackle him and you have both Scott and Pratt on the tackle right here and they're just running like a you know just that little route underneath route to try to get the first down they tackle him on the 34 yard line instead of the 20 you know or the 35 yard line instead of the 20 obviously that's a 53 yard field goal roughly you know instead of a 38 yard field goal and if you watch the field goal that was kicked he he dang near pushed it he dang near pushed it right and but that you got two guys on him right there yeah. and they got to make that tackle I mean, that's that's too big of a point in the game right there to because I don't believe they they were going to kick it from there if they, you know, if they got oh, yeah. tackled. So you're talking yeah. about a much longer field goal by a, a, a kicker that wasn't even on the team the week before. Yeah. And, you know, if you remember the week before, uh, you know, Dario Gamawala was was kicking uh, the extra points for yeah. him. And. Uh, the only reason I know how to say his name is I actually coached him in Jacksonville. So, um, props <laughs> well, to him for you. You're ahead of everybody else in this room <laughs> on that one. I can tell you, I didn't even say his name. I just said a backup running back. All right. Um, now <laughs> let's go to the offense. And, and when we get through with a couple of these plays, I have a, a, a general question for you. But, okay, here we are. Uh, it's 20-7 to 7 Houston uh, with 6-11 mm-hmm. to go in the third, where the Bengals' offense at this point in time had gone into hibernation for the better part of more than a uh, almost two full quarters. What are we looking at here? Yeah. So this is actually the second one of these runs that they ran with Mixon. This is it's a punch play or it's a one back power. It's a kind of a 
I think what they're trying to actually do is, is push a tight end through inside the defensive end and the guard, the, the right guard's going to pull and really supposed to kick the end out, but the end crosses the tight end's face. So it, they take this around. He, he ends up getting good yardage on this. He got, he, they ran this twice. Now this is a, this is roughly a 15 yard run. All right. But he breaks like four tackles on this play and they ran this earlier for 10 yards and it, they ran it twice for 25 yards. And I don't, what did Joe have 48 yards or something yep, like that? Yep. And, it's it's one of those things where, you know, if you find a play right there that's working, yeah, I mean, he's breaking tackles like a crazy man right there. But, I mean, that's why you have Joe Mixon. You have Joe Mixon to be able to run plays like this. Yeah, they didn't get the backside five blocked right there. That's okay. Break a tackle. Break a tackle. Break a tackle. Break another tackle. I mean, the point is, is that though they had plays that were working in the run game, and I'm not real sure why they went against it. Uh, but again, it shows right there that they can do it, and Mixon's more than capable of doing it. They just need to, you know, allow them to do it. Okay, the last play. Uh, look, there were a lot of guys on the offensive line that had a rough day, and and there have been points in time where almost all of them have had rough spots during this season so far. Even though they're spending the sixth most amount of money among all teams in the NFL uh, on their offensive line, nearly twenty percent of their team payroll is going to the offensive line. Uh, Cap has been a good player here, but he had a rough day the other day. Yeah, and, and I, I had put out a preview video of, of their D-line and what they were doing, and I and, uh, talked about Sheldon Rankins, and he, he's a big, big human being, don't get me wrong. Uh, he, he threw guys around all day, but you, if you watch Cap of the right guard, uh, number 98, the D, the D tackle that's over him, is just going to destroy him and then destroy Burrow. And if you see this from the from the back, this is that play. This is that last play. Yep. Or this yep. is the play right after the, uh, yep. you know, right after the, uh, the boy, the long boy uh, reception. And again, that you knew they were going to pick on these guys. You knew they were going to be strong and throw guys around. But I mean, that hit right there, you don't want, first off, you don't want your, your quarterback taking that hit. Secondly, it's, it, it knocks you back now to second and goal from the 15 instead of being at least at the seven, you know, if you get an incomplete pass or something, I mean, you know, whether or not they had a chance to get this thing complete is, is beyond it. But again, if you go like tonight's show, if you want, when, when you tune into tonight's show, you'll see uh, not only sacks, but some pressures. Um, they had a guy, Jonathan Greenard. He was number 52 for him. He, he was over the left tackle the entire game. And uh, it, it wasn't that he was just abusing Orlando Brown. He's abused people all see all season. If you go back and watch this kid play and they knew what it was. And uh, again, he, he had, he had his way with Orlando Brown a couple of times and, uh, it wasn't just him. I mean, there was some pick games that were getting them, and uh, it's it's just tough when you you know you, when you throw that much during the game, and those guys can kind of pin their ears back, and you don't slow it down with anything. So that, that's kind of where they're at right now. You know, I, and the last thing I want to ask you, and we'll let you go. And again, your show's coming up tonight here on Chatterbox Sports at five thirty. Um, and I give Austin Elmore, our colleague over at um, um, iHeartRadio, uh, the, the, the credit for this because he was the one that looked up this stat. I almost drove off the road when I heard him say yesterday. Um, you look at the Bengals' nine games this season. On the opening drive when you get to script the plays, and you know all about this, you've been a part of doing this. When you mm -hmm. script the plays, the Bengals, Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, whomever, all of them collectively. They might be the best at it in the history of football. But in nine games this year, on the second drive, the third drive, and the fourth drives of the game. So nine games multiplied by three is 27 drives, okay, on their second, third, fourth drives of the game. 
They have scored a total of 30 points in those nine games on those 27 drives. They scored 30 points, and they're averaging three yards per play, almost four. What is happening there or not happening there more accurately? Well, I think the, the question goes into this. What happens between that first drive and the second drive? What, what, right. what happens? What so happens? They go to the sideline. Okay, they go, go to the sideline. Side right? Just walk me through the defensive side of it for a second. So if you so, just watch them go right down the field and maybe they run it, you know, three times, they throw it five, they run it four, they throw it five, whatever it might be. Now when the defense come back, comes back to the sidelines, what happens there? Well, they're going to look at so these first 15, these scripts, whatever it is. They're, they're trying to put something out there where they're saying, this is our plan for today. These are the formations we'd like to see. These are the plays we'd like to see. We're setting something up for later. And the defensive coordinators are going to come over to the side and go, okay, guys, look, they, they got an empty a lot more than we thought they were going to. Or, hey, they've been there in 12 personnel with two tight ends more often than we thought they were going to be. All right, let's adjust to this because they're thinking we're, this is what we've been doing versus that. And this is probably what they have seen over the past. So you got to remember as a defensive player and coach what has beaten us in the past because that's probably what the offensive coaches on the other side have been watching and saying, sure. all right, we got to exploit that. So we need to do something to uh, adjust to that. And it's not just halftime adjustments. These adjustments happen, like you said, after the first series, you go, okay, well, shoot, they went down and just scored right on us. They, they figured they got – they are exploiting these areas. All right, well, let's change it up. And I think those change-ups have come at a point where – you know, the Bengals maybe haven't, uh, you know, looked ahead to adjust against those adjustments, and, and they've gone back out with their continued plan. Because I do know some coaches, and I've, I've coached with some, and there's nothing wrong with it. You have your first 15, and you're going to get off of it a little bit because you, you may be in a third down or red zone situation or something. But it, they'll go back to their list. Okay, we, we got down to number six. Uh, all right, we're going to number seven. Uh, we said we were going to do this, and we're going to go to number seven. We, the players know it. Well, they, you know, but then that number seven has been a judge button uh you know it gets stopped and then yep. then you're put into a possible third down situation where you're not you know then you're kind of off to your script at that point so uh again it's 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 all adjustments it's all it's all just stuff that needs to be done um it's, it's a chess it's a game of chess and uh, you know the defense right now has been getting the better of them now again I, I i know this is not last year but it's the same group of people doing it and for some odd reason they do get hotter towards the end of the year, and maybe it's maybe they will start making some more adjustments. But, you know, and again, Burrow's got to be the one. If you watch him, he's made some – he has uh, audibled some plays out there, especially in empty, and that's where he really, really is good. And, you know, they might end up going to more of that just to let him have more control on the field. Okay. Well, Kyle, uh, looking forward to the show. New time again. Uh, you've been used to later in the night. Now it's at 530. And uh, good luck on the show today, and thanks for your time. We really appreciate it, man. Great stuff. All right, guys. Appreciate y'all having me. All right. Thank you. Kyle Kasky, that's really good stuff. And, and you know what? Look, um, I do give it up to, uh, to Austin. I got to find out where he you're – his, you're his homeboy, Elliot, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I got to find out where he finds that stuff. Where do you find that? I mean, when I was doing games, I could find anything on the planet. But now, even just in the last few years, there have been all these different websites that have kind of popped up where you can find stuff like that in a heartbeat. That was an amazing note he had yesterday. Yeah, I don't know where he gets I mean, it. They I, may badmouth I, me, but I am talking them up. When, when <laughs> they so do not, take it away with they the weather, do please. not badmouth They do, you. they do, but they don't have it's, the guts to say it. It's with love and respect. Oh no.
There's a chair. Sniper. Uh, sniper. Uh, yeah, listen, the weather's great today. I Listen, Austin and Tony, they do a very good job. They don't slander anybody. They're nice people. They're very... Uh. They're very nice people. They are. They're nice people. I, Austin, when I worked with Austin, he would find all these stats himself. He'd go on research. Tony uh, gets COVID a, a lot. What's up? Tony gets COVID a lot. That's. I feel like that's personal information. I feel like we shouldn't be sharing that with the world. Isn't there a HIPAA? Isn't there a HIPAA law? I'm not Did, a doctor. Are you breaking HIPAA law? I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, but aren't you? Uh, aren't you the employer? I am. A, I am a former president, Ronald Reagan, and that's it. Okay, so that's it. Then he's just okay. Then that, that's fine. Then they want to slander and they'll slander. But I have friends everywhere. Why? Why do we make fun of Elliot's friends? Listen, the weather today—it's whatever. It's 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 not too, it's not too cold. I woke up. It was like forty degrees. That's fine. I'll, I'll I'll survive that. The heat in my car got it fixed. I got it fixed. Listen, and people are going to ask how much it costs. I'm not going to tell you, but it's six hundred dollars. It costs six hundred dollars for all the issues in my car. Casey's going to hand me his phone, which, again, everybody can do, blah, 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 blah. Uh, again, it's going to get up to about 60 degrees. Check your phone. Don't watch the weather. My dad and I were watching the weather broadcasts last night. They ran through three different broadcasts of the same exact thing over and over and over again, much like this bit. It's just the same thing over and over and over again. It's, it, it's ever-changing. I think tomorrow I might go. What, what, you know what tomorrow we might do for the weather? I might film a weather from, like, a Wendy's. Just go inside there and just bother the people in there. I think weather, that the weather is unique in Wendy's. Yeah, I think I it definitely is. It's it's often moist in there. So listen, I'm gonna go to a Wendy's tomorrow or maybe a different day, and I'll just film a weather in there. We're just gonna start making this the old Z Brazilianaire videos where I just go around and travel places and do stupid things. That's what I'm just gonna do with this. Because right now, unless like uh, the green screen here, unless like we can put like a like a funny thing on the back, like maybe Taylor Swift again, that that's just what this is gonna be. Other than that, Ronald Reagan over to you. Uh, hey, hi, this is former President Ronald Reagan, as you can tell from my impersonation, my voice, and my cadence. It's everything. This is exactly how Ronald Reagan sounded and talked. So for that very reason, I'm going to send it back over to Casey. Well, uh, the Bengals conversation with Kasky and uh, before we got into um – before we got into them, is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. Productivity. You can visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And let me tell you about Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. You can visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Beautifully pa done, Casey. Pawnee Water. Go ahead. Potty water. Tom. I'm excited to see our picks. I think we're going over picks today. We are, but we're also going to have a mailbag today, right? We yes. do. I have missed the mailbag. We do have a mailbag, but I'm excited to see how we did because if you remember last week's picks. <laughs> I think we, you know how you did. We all, went, we all went against each other, so I guess we're going to find out. I'm very, very excited. I, are you going to surpass me this week? I don't know. If it was anything like my gambling weekend, I'm in tremendous debt. 
All right, so, for those of you that were not with us during our picks last week, basically very early on this season, Zebra got into a habit where if all of us pick the same team in a game, right, say the Bengals, all of us are going to pick the Bengals, well, then he has the option of changing his pick if he so chooses, and he has done that more times than not. It happened, what, Casey, five times in a row last week? Yeah, something okay. to that. Okay, and he, so he had to flip. And so we made the comment that – or he did flip. He didn't have to flip, but he did. Um, and so we said that either the three of us, Reed, Casey, me, were going to have a monster week or we were going to have a brutal week. And the same would hold true for Elliot, who flipped the other way outside of us. So how did it turn out? Well, let's start with Michigan versus Penn State. Michigan versus Penn State. That was a four-point spread. Look at us, Tom. Just men of Michigan. Not Look a good us. start for Zebra there. Tom. No, not a good start. Uh, but they almost had it. They almost had it. Tom, here's the thing is that when people watch this show, they know that you and I support Michigan and all their endeavors almost every single day on the show. And it next shows right game, there. Next game, next game. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> next game. Uh, here we go. Mighty Buckeyes. Elliot, nicely right. done. Thank you. I mean, what, what are you two guys thinking about? Well, if you've watched Michigan State and Ohio State this year, you realize that 31-point spread really wasn't fair. It should have been, honestly, favored in Michigan State's favor. <laughs> but they just came out sleeping. It just wasn't their day. Sometimes that happens in college football, and you saw that on Saturday. So. Oh, baby, you got to get through this Saturday, and then here we go next <laughs> week, man. Can't wait. Uh, can't wait. <laughs> Fuck me, Michigan. All right, here we go. Next up. Utah what versus so Washington. funny. That was preposterous. Oh, I loved it. Washington. Oh, <laughs> this Elliot. This covered, right? Elliot, this is where you flipped, right? Yeah, I Husky flipped. Cover. I flipped. What, why did you like the Utah Utes in this one, Elliot? What, what are you guys talking about? Utah Wait, covered. Utah covered? Yeah. What was the final? 35-28. Oh, oh, no. Look boy. at you, Tom. Egg oh, no. on your face, Tom. A lot of egg on your face because <laughs> Elliot is a great gambler, and we're off to a roaring start. Look at that. Look at the Utes. The little, Utes. little cover lover. Somebody asked, did Tom drop an F-bomb? No, I did not, RM. It was close. No, it wasn't even remotely close. I just get – I am jacked. And I might walk in here on that Monday after Thanksgiving. And dropping a bunch of F-bombs. Uh, no, I won't do that, but um, I'm not above that by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but, um, uh, man, I, I, just, I just can't wait. I, I, I wish it were tomorrow. Okay. All right, USC versus Oregon. It's another... A little cover. Another cover for USC. A little cover for Wait a minute, so Cats. this is in our favor. This yes. is in our favor. SC. See, we need to start putting the score up there. So they we, lost because, by like eight. Yeah. So yeah, they hung in there. Yeah, no doubt about I it. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that think Oregon's the best team in the country. They, I mean, I've heard a lot of the national pundits say that they think Oregon, and right now they're on the outside looking in. It's going to be really interesting to see how that whole thing plays yeah. out. But this college football playoff is coming right down to the wire again. Yeah, no doubt about it. I wish they would expand to a 12-team playoff this year. But here's the thing, Tom. Where do most people go to get a couple chuckles late night at Saturday? You know, what's a good TV program that has some jokes and stuff like that? Well, Everyone, there used to be a good one on NBC, but not right. so much anymore. Saturday Night Live. Right. If you want a good right laugh, the tank. just go ahead and turn on Southern Cal and watch their defense. Because it is so terrible, Tom. It is so funny. They miss tackles seemingly every play. How's Colorado doing, by the way? I kind of forgot about them. 
forgot uh, they existed. They not so again. good. Well, well, they're doing what most people thought they were going to do. Didn't, they, I, don't think they've won, I think they've won one game in the pack. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What's next? We got UC versus Houston. Oh, boy. The Mighty Bearcats led by none other than Elliot Zebra Rearing. Elliot, as a diehard Bearcats fan, how does yeah. it feel to finally get over the hump in the Big 12? Yeah, it's good to see. You know, when you beat a staple of the Big 12 like Houston, mm -hmm. it's it feels good. It's, it's one of those program-defining wins. It's the first one. Lichtenberg was great. Emory Jones was great. Defense showed out. I will say, I bet an irresponsible that. Oh wait, let me. I bet a responsible amount, but ear is in parentheses. I bet a responsible amount of money on Houston on this game, and I was really sad watching it. Really sad watching it. And it's, but you know what? Good for UC. Good for Satterfield. He gets to keep his job a little bit longer. Remember when that you told me one. that his name wasn't Brady Lichtenberg yesterday last week? Yeah, I don't know why. Did I think it was Drew? I think I thought it was Drew. I don't know. Let's go next game. Here's a tough one for all of us. By the way, I went three and two in college. If anybody yeah, before we wrap up college, Drew Garrison, who is clearly a Michigan guy, says he is off work and will be outside of our studio window with a free Harbaugh sign. I heard you and Drew are watching the game together, Tom. That's uh, what I heard. You heard wrong. <laughs> you heard wrong. Go ahead. Well, this is Not this spending is spending any time with a Michigan fan watching that game. This is a push. It's a push. This is a push. No blood here. What a great game that was. That was a great game. That was an exciting game. Tell you, man, that, that, that Dan Campbell, what did I read? That he went on a fourth down, he went for it five times in the game, and they were asking the question, is he an analytics-driven coach? He's like, no, it's all gut feel. It's all gut feel. He went fourth or first drive of the game or something. He's down there at the 20, could have kicked the field goal, goes for it, gets it. They go down inside the five. He goes for it fourth down again. They get stopped, turn it over on downs. But a big decision late in that game. All right. Next, we got Packers versus Steelers. We all cover by a half point. You mean everybody except for Ellie? Correct. Except for Ellie Rue. It's another tough one, Tom. But that was that game sucked too. The Steelers are bad, man. The, we can sit here. Bad. They're not bad. They just win ugly. Yeah, they win every single game ugly. They don't really have that many good wins. I guess they beat the divisional teams, but their other wins are fraudulent. I mean, the Packers. Whoever I, I, the, the the Packers have no hope ever. I'm sorry, but the Packers just have no. Jordan loves a bum. Yeah, they, gotta, they have they nobody. To, the they have nobody to throw to. Whatever. But again, I lose again. I lost again because I'm a loser. <laughs> well, here's a win for you, Elliot. Hey, I told everybody this would happen. They were gonna go win this game. It was never a doubt. At halftime, you might have said, "I have some doubts," but I didn't. Because they're going to not only win this game, they were going to go to the postseason. They're going to win this division. They're going to win two playoff games, get to an AFC championship game, win the Super Bowl, and then repeat it all next year. Let's go, Brownies. <laughs> I seriously did I not it. watch a second of this game. How the it. hell did the Ravens win, lose this game? I, I, I think they're still asking that. I, I did see, I read that last night, where in their last seven losses, they led going into the fourth quarter, they being Baltimore, mm -hmm. they led going into the fourth quarter and had, at the minimum, a 77% chance to win on that probability thing. Right. And in two or three of those games, they were up over 90, as they were the other day. They gave up 24 second-half points. 
the thing is, is they run the ball more than anybody else, right? Like, so that's a that's a good sign. Yeah, you would think to ice a game, yeah. Right. They had a 96% chance to win that game, according to ESPN, in the fourth quarter. So, they obviously didn't. All right, what's next up, Case? All right, we have a, uh, a bad beat. I don't think that's a, defined as a bad beat there, Casey. Faith in the wrong team. Was, I said last week, if you recall, and I'm wrong far more than right, but did I not say with the 49ers coming in on a third, third three-game losing streak, if I were a betting man, I would bet the house on the Niners. And you would have had a second house. I would have. You, you would have had a second Shame house. Shame on me for not doing it. Here's the here's the thing. Is, I had this one. I, I I did bet this one. You bet the 49ers? But unfortunately, it was in a parlay, so I never really mm. got to see the <laughs> It's like the someone tells you not to do that. <laughs> Parlays are great, Tom. I I believe in the Jags. I do. I really do. Oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? I believe in them. They're but fraudulent. man, the fact that they just no showed a game like this at home on They're, a five game win streak is makes me believe them a little less. I'm gonna give you three teams. I'm gonna give you three teams: the Steelers, the Bills, the Jaguars. The who's Jag- the most? Who's the most fraudulent of the three? Of the who are they? Steelers, Bills, Jaguars. Definitely, the Steelers are the worst team there. No, you're saying the most fraudulent. fraudulent. There's a difference. There's fraudulent. The most fraudulent is without a doubt Buffalo. I kind I, of agree. I, I don't know how we're defining fraudulent. Fraudulent meaning you're supposed to be good, and you're a fraud. Well, who? You I mean, at least the Jaguars. If the so season how- ended today, the Jaguars right. and the Steelers would both be in the playoffs. Correct. I get that, but the the Bills were dealing with key injuries on defense still. Like they they shouldn't like we shouldn't be continually holding them to that high standard if they have key injuries. The Jags, to me, but I'd argue they were the, arguably the, supposed the to be the, the number Bills. one seed. So I guess I guess if you're if you're using the definition fraudulent about are they living up to expectations, then no. I mean, clearly it's the Bills that aren't living up to their expectations. But I would argue that maybe we shouldn't be holding the Bills to that expectation. They're still a good team. They're not Super Bowl contenders like we thought, but they're still a good team. All right, let me ask you this. Sean Connor in the chat, he asked a very interesting question. Yeah. Let's add the Bengals to that list. So you would have the Bills, the Bengals, the Jags, and the Steelers. Who's the biggest fraud out of those four you, so if, far this year? If you had to rank those against their expectations, the, the, the team on the bottom would be the Bills. Then the, the Bengals would be the second from the bottom. And then I would argue that the Jags would be – the Jags are living up to their expectations. I think the expectations people had before the year, they're, they're right there. You're right. right? You're right. They're, they're, they're at the top of their division. They're still in the hunt for the one seed. Um, and then the Steelers are above their pay grade right now. So, yeah. I mean, Casey, what about you? What are you saying there? If you I, add the Bengals to that list. I'm not putting the Bengals on that list. Uh, they are on the list. That was the point of the question. But I, I wouldn't put them on that list because I just wouldn't. I think that they, that they <laughs> have uh, a lot left on their schedule to prove. And We're they, talking they've, about they've beat, to this point. I know, but they, they've beat, they beat the, the 49ers – pretty handedly they, they the beat first them. thing you said to me this morning yeah literally the first sentence out of your mouth when you and i said hello and good morning I was, uh, uh, this morning you said to me boy that bengal's resume does not look nearly as good did you say that to me i i did because of the bills but you're, you're right the 49ers is a great win 
I, I don't know what to tell you. I think for they me, though, out, out of the teams, it's got to be the Jags. People are crowning them as the AFC champs. What? The people are what? crowning them as the – don't don't you do that over there. You they are, are they you are, are a coward right slappy up. over there. Yeah, you love you love, love, love the Jags. You but love the, the Jags. They haven't proven they nothing. They deserve it at this point. They've lived up to their expectations at this point. They're six and three what? at the top of the division. And how they're, they're, they're the how have they lived up to anything? They haven't beaten anybody. They're first place in the division. They're first place in the division. They they're about to lose. They're the about to lose the Texans this week. We'll see. Well, we'll see. And then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll reestablish at that point. But at this point, they've lived up to their expectations. The Steelers have lived above their expectations. On that list of four teams, the only teams that haven't lived up to their expectations are the Bills and the Bengals. That's right. That's a fact. That's a fact. Those are straight facts from a man who rarely hands him out on this program. All right. Do we have uh, <laughs> any other games? We have a uh, Bengals versus. Who won this oh the, the, boy, Elliot! You win. had the feeling. You even said it before you picked the Bengals and then switched. You had a feeling. I you did. You said you weren't betting the Bengals ever again this year. Bengals earlier than that, and did it. Tom, I, I, I listen. When you watch the game, you watch your favorite team. How do you support your team? I, I can't get on the field with them. Uh, what, I, by giving I, Bet Fred a bunch I, of your money? That's right, Tom. I, I give them my money, and, and the Bengals know they feel that wager. Uh, they feel the spirit of that wager behind them uh, when they get their ass kicked by the Texans. It's unfortunate, but listen, I, I tried my best. I bet my hardest. Uh, it, it didn't go. You did your part. It didn't go our way. You did your part. It didn't go our way. But again, I, by the way, if you're keeping score here, Elliot has a winning record with these picks. So my method is absolutely working. Next pick. That's probably it. That's it. That's, That's it. So I finished with a winning record. My bad. Oh, 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 oh. That's for tomorrow. That's for tomorrow. Tomorrow, little tease. Look at Casey just being a producer. He's just ready to go. He's ready to go. He's he's awesome. He is. I am ready to go. He's ready to go. Here's the thing, Tom. I I talked about this with Casey. I said this with with some people I was thinking about this last night. And and we're talking about frauds. And I knew we were going to talk about last night's game. Josh Allen played like like doo-doo. On this show, we have belittled Josh Allen. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Who the hell is a good quarterback according to this We're show? We're waiting to find one. Jalen Hurts. <laughs> is no Jalen Hurts. Is no one good? I mean, I, I, not, I've been at the, the forefront. Kenny Pickett. I, that is true. Brock Purdy. <laughs> Brock Purdy and Kenny Pickett. I'm the one that, that is against <laughs> Brock Purdy and pro. It's just funny that we don't give anybody credit. And, and in the NFL, we give them all credit. We give them all about. credit. Give I, give, me a break. I give Lamar Jackson credit. I'm the only one who defends Lamar Jackson. You're wrong. I said that I have been, I have been blown away. Uh, and maybe it's just because, you know, the last two years he's been hurt. Uh, and you haven't seen the real Lamar Jackson outside of the first four or five weeks of last season. When he gets hurt, you don't see him again. This cat. It's a player. Burrow's a player. Mahomes, play. I mean, they're great players. But it doesn't mean that great players can't make mistakes. Yeah. They can. They can make, all of us, every one of us makes mistakes. Great, bad, terrible, whatever they are, we are. Everybody makes mistakes. And they are not above someone just saying, how do you throw that pick in the end zone? Yeah. Right. I get it. I get it. But, like, we're also, like, talking about, like, Joe Burrow hasn't shown up, right? Like that, that's, a, that's a talk that we've brought about. 
in this in this room is Joe Burrow doesn't show up in the big game and stuff like that. Where where's Josh Allen when when primetime lights are on? It's just like at some point they all make mistakes, but yeah. we can't just constantly be belittling the best quarterbacks in the league. Like we've got to realize that this is, <laughs> I guess, maybe a problem on the show that we're not giving anybody they credit. They are held to a higher standard. I mean, Fair. when you have guys out there like Mahomes, who is the guy, he's the guy. I mean, he's been to the championship game, what, five years in a row? Yep. Two, he's two, won the Super Bowl twice, lost once. Two MVPs. I mean, play's got to be made. He makes it. They got to win a game. They win. He's a guy. And all the other guys are trying to get there. Burrow is, is right there with him as far as back-to-back -back AFC championship games. Joe's got to get over that next hump. He needs some help. Because I got to tell you, um, you know, the Bengals are asking Burrow and Chase to do everything yeah. if you stop and look at this team. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that made me – Kyle showed the play a minute ago where the – where Stroud fakes the run on play action to the left, rolls to the right, finds a guy down the middle of the field wide open, right? Yeah. When the Bengals' offensive line is struggling like it did last week and has at times this year, why do we never see plays like that? Where you move the pocket. Burrow can move now. Now, early in the year, his cap wasn't, it was hurt. Okay, maybe you can't do it. Where are those plays schematically? There's a difference between play calling and play scheming, play design. I mean, you knew you were without T. Higgins last week. I know Jamar was nicked up. He got over 100. But that's a game where Chase has got to catch a ball 15, 17, 18 times in a game. Right. right? I agree. I and agree and that's not an exaggeration. There is no reason why you cannot get the ball to Chase a minimum of 12 to 15 receptions every single game. I agree. Tom, I mean, if you listen to his post-conference interview right after the game, Joe Burrow even says, well, after the, the, the first half, I decided that I was going to start moving outside the pocket a little bit more, try to create more plays. And lo and behold, the touchdown Jamar Chase is him rolling out of the pocket, getting in space right there. Boom, makes a perfect throw to Jamar Chase on the run. I mean, I, there's just there's something about this team that requires so much from Joe and Jamar that it, it's, it's got to get exposed. And I think it's already being exposed in the NFL. Teams that have no business covering the weapons that we have are doing it with ease. They're able to just pick on our weaknesses like our offensive line, not being able to run the ball, not being able to protect Joe Burrow. And well, they don't ask him pocket. to run the ball. Yeah, that too. I mean, it's just we're too predictable. We're too easy to read. We don't make adjustments. It does seem like Zach Taylor doesn't uh, – or he gives up on the run. Like, if it doesn't work the first half, he just gives it up. He just doesn't try anymore. So, like – Go, go, ahead. Ahead. No, go I ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think about – where we started seeing reliance on Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow the most, and I don't know if you guys remember this game a couple years ago, but there's two years ago in December, we're playing the 49ers at home, the Bengals are, and they go to overtime. 
and they almost exclusively try to run the ball, try to run the ball, try to run the ball. And they lost that game because he didn't get anything going. And the entire talk for that for the rest of that week was, why are we not relying on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase in crunch time? These are our cowbells. We got to get to them. And ever since then, obviously, they went on, didn't lose another game for the rest of the year until the, the Super Bowl. Then they come back next year, go to the AFC Championship. And now it's become over maybe a, a little over-reliance on those guys. Now, still, if, if, if I'm calling a play and I know – that the Bengals need to get five, six, seven yards. I'm giving it to nine. I'm saying, hey, nine, go make something work. But there has to be a reliance, at least in, a, in part, to committing to the run. And I know that's what everyone's talking about. But when the Texans game's going on, and every time we turn around and hand it off to 28, there's a guy already in the backfield. And the only time that we're getting, we're getting any yards on the run game is when Joe Mixon's making a guy miss in the backfield and then he goes six yards. How can you how – can consciously continue to call that play when it's going to get to a loss of two yards or at the very most two yards gained. Well, I think you're, you're, you're saying, if I hear you right, I, I think, it, I think you can surmise from what you're saying is there's got to be a happy medium here somewhere. You Balance, can't yeah. be, you can't be, you know, it's like shooting free throws. Okay. It, you're never going to get any good shooting free throws or anything else in life. But I'm just going to use this as an example. If you yeah. never practice free throws, Okay, you just show up, you play the game, practice, you don't shoot any free throws. There's probably a pretty good chance you're not going to be a great free throw shooter. If you never run the ball, there's probably a pretty good chance that you're not going to be a good running team when you do run the ball. Because you never do it. There are no reps in it. This is back to the preseason thing. You're not hitting people in practice in the NFL anymore. So now all of a sudden, you are literally asking your offensive line to do something that they do less than any other offensive line in the National Football League. You're asking them now to run block. Now, should they know how to run block? Of course they should know how to run block. But I'm just saying. If you are running the ball the least amount of times in the National Football League, why would you expect to be any good at it when you do run it? That, that's, that's the criticism, right? That, that's, more, that's more than fair. Is, and this is what Elliot brings up. This is what everyone on X.com brings up is there's no commitment to it, right? And that's the point you're bringing up is if you're not doing it, how you expect to be good at it? And the problem lies in how can you consciously keep handing the ball off when when you do it, there's no <laughs> there's no push, there's no there's no yards gain. You get behind schedule. All these things. It's you know what it's almost like. It's 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 like the old paradox of when you get out of college and no one will hire you because you don't have experience. Well, how the hell am I going to get experience if no one will hire me? It's the same thing with this run game. It's yeah, we've got to commit to this run game. Yeah, we got to hand the ball off. But how the hell do you continue to hand the ball off when it's not going anywhere? When you're trying to move the ball downfield, how are you going to consistently just hand the ball off the 2-8 when it gets a yard, when it gets two yards? We're just going to keep doing that, and then yeah, and then part, nothing happens? It's I think, the chicken before the egg thing, right? Yeah, part of the problem, too, is they don't have a change of pace back at all. I mean, not even the last couple of seasons. I mean, you might consider P. Ryan a change of pace back, but they are relatively similar in, in what they want to do. They want to get downhill, Joe and P. Yeah, Ryan. yeah. 
they've swung and missed on some of these guys like Chase Brown, Travion Williams, uh, Chris Evans, that are supposed to be that change of base back that can just gout, gash you, gouge you. And, you know, I'm just looking here at the last – all the games that we've won, Joe Mixon has touched the ball at least – 15-plus times, 17-plus times. The games that we lose, and this is including just getting out in, in, in the flats, too, and, and catching right, the ball. Right, which he is an outstanding receiver. He's, he's getting it less than 15 times. Yeah. So it's just – I think it's uh, – they get away from trying to even establish the run game in ways that, that are, like, effectively getting it to the flat to Joe effectively getting it to to making a screen game work. The screen game has been terrible this season. Um, we're not getting key blocks. We're not able to break that one tackle to to get to that first down. Um, yeah, the screens have been, it, it, the screens on Sunday, Casey kept mentioning to me. I and you watch it, if it's not to Jamar Chase and it's not having him work his magic, the screens are dead. Just they, absolutely they just dead. They work. didn't work to Joe Mixon at all whatsoever. I think he had negative one uh, yards. I think he had minus one yards. He had three catches. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it just seems like Tom, Tom has been saying it this week. Uh, it, it seems like after that first drive, they go into screen mode or they go into that lazy run, that lazy, the same lazy run where it's Joe and Mixon in the backfield and he just gives it to him. It's the same exact run every single time. Uh, there's just Mr. Mo said it in the chat. There's no creativity, and it, it's true. They, it just seems like they stick. They stick with these same bad plays over and over and over again until it comes to the fourth quarter when you need Joe Burrow to, as what Reed says, do hey nine, go do something. And once nine figures out how to do something, then then the team's back on. Yeah, it's, but it just it it seems like. And again, I don't mean to push down on Zach Taylor too much, but this does seem to be a play calling issue that's been a a problem for the past several years. Another just issue I've noticed, too, is that there's no speed. Like, not even just receivers is Jamar Chase, and that's it. Tyler Boyd, like, yeah, he had that 60-yard run, but he's not a burner. T. Higgins, not a burner. None of our receivers are necessarily burners. And there's a couple plays that Joe Burrow missed a wide-open Yoshi when he was screaming downfield when he's still in the game. Right. That could have Yoshi. That could have busted the game wide open, but – there's a problem with this team that they're really slow. They're slow in the backfield. They're slow at receiver. They're slow at tight end. And they run plays that require you to be able to athletically beat your guy up front yep. in order to succeed. And they never, ever give them freebies. There's no trap. There's no, there's no uh, picks. In the in the in the in the past game, there's none of that, so I don't know what they can do because they've never shown that they're capable of changing their way of style of offense. In my opinion, right. maybe you look at the 2021 year where we ran the ball with Joe Mixon against the Raiders and the Steelers like 25 plus times. Mm -hmm. I'd love for them to start doing that. Just Bill's commit game. to just commit to it, right? That way they establish that it is a threat again. And then you can start rolling on play actions a little bit more effectively. Because Joe, Joe Burrow has been really, really good in play action so far this but, year. But if we start, like, let, if the Bengals start handing the ball off 20-plus times, right, are you prepared for it to look the, like, what happens if it looks the exact same? 
I mean, it would be the same, right? I mean, Tom said it just this – those two big plays, if you take them away, it's what, five yards per pass? Yeah. That's less, the exact – Less than five. That's pretty much the exact same thing that you're going to get with the run game if you establish it because it goes two, three, ten yards, two, one, seven yards, right? It's not like you're getting five yards every time. It's going to be methodical or it should be with this team. Well, they have been at their best this year when we've seen them drive down the field where they are almost at a 50-50 split. Yep. Almost. Not quite, maybe 55-45, but their best drives, a lot of those on the opening drive of the game. Uh, In the Niners' case, in the Bills' case, they did execute on the second drive of the game. There was a combination run pass. They basically, in the first half the other day, I think they ran it eight times. That means every other play, you're, you're throwing the football. So, look, you know, we've heard Mike Vrabel talk about this. When so, He's not going to get wrapped up in the yards per carrier, all this kind of stuff. His feeling is, and, and there, there are a billion other coaches, high school coaches tell you this, you at least plant the seed of doubt in the other team's defense that you might run the ball. Because if they know what the Bengals, when they completely become uh, one-dimensional, or any other team for that matter, That's why you see teams that throw the ball 45 and 50 times a game. More times than not, they are not teams that win Super Bowls. They're just simply not. Every blue moon, you'll have an outlier. But it is Tom Brady would, in the heyday, even though you couldn't name a big name running back they had, Brady was not more than three or four times during the course of the season was he chucking the ball 45 or more times a game. Bengals seemingly do it every night. And when they don't do it is when they tend to look their best. But isn't that like a culmination of, of winning late in games, though? Right? Well, of like, course it is. There are a lot of sure, factors in sure. there. Of course. Of like, course it is. I, I get so tired of that stat. And they do it literally on the broadcast every single postseason. They go, well, the 14 teams here, uh, they are 14 of the best 18 run teams in the National Football League. What does that tell you? you got to run the ball. It's like, yeah, well, they also are the teams that won the most games. And when you're winning late in the game, you, you hand the ball off to kill the clock. So those things fall hand in hand. Listen, I, I agree with you guys about committing to the run. Yes, this, this offense will take another step once it starts showing that it can run the ball effectively. But if, if you want to ask me what I think the greatest evolution to this offense will be, and it's something that we haven't seen over the last three years, that is getting Joe Burrow time. Well, I know that's not crazy. I know, I know that's not rocket science here. But if you think that this, this offense can get to the level that we think it can be, it is simply having Joe Burrow have as much time as C.J. Stroud had last Sunday. It, can you imagine how many points that the Bengals would have put up if, if Joe Burrow had as much time as C.J. Stroud? Instead, the boy's running with, like a chicken with his head cut off. And, and yeah, maybe that is involved in getting an effective ground game, right? Keeping the defense honest and that stuff to where they, they, they can't constantly blitz. But I, that's the better evolution that I want to see. If you, if you give me one or the other, if you're giving me the options between would you like an effective run game or would you like Joe Burrow to be clean in the pocket majority of the time? I'm taking the latter nine times out of ten. All right. uh, apparently, they're not liking what they're seeing on offense in Buffalo. They have just fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. Probably should have done that sooner. I mean, they, they've got a broken offense. They love they get a lot of yards, but they can't score. So See, I sit there, and, and, and you heard Brian Billick bring it up. 
You're sitting there watching the game last night. James Cook fumbles the ball, his first touch of the game. They bench him for three um, possessions, and they bring it back. And the guy looks like a man possessed. I mean, he is – they give it to him like – Four out of five plays, five out of seven plays, and just right down the field, boom, 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 boom. They run four or five times in a row, then wide open receiver. Wasn't a guy within 30 yards, touchdown pass. You wouldn't even have known that Cook was on the team the rest of the game. This was clearly a guy who was playing with an edge. Maybe an edge he should have been playing with from the start of the game. But, you know, all right, here's a question I got for you. Sling it, Tom. If indeed T. Higgins cannot play this week, and Elliot, you have been the single biggest basher of the Baltimore receiving core. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Whereas we've heard Brian Billick say they don't have Jamar Chase, but they've got a group that ain't too shabby, right? And we gave some of the numbers last week that you gave Reed. They got some guys having a good year. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this going to be the first time that you can ever remember at least cer- certainly since Burrow's been here. Where Lamar Jackson has a better receiving core going into a game against the Bengals? Because if you want to say Chase is this much better than whoever their top receiver is, Bateman, Beckham, Aguilar, whoever you want to pick. They've right? got Zay Flowers Zay out. Zay Flowers. Zay, Flowers. Zay, Zay Flowers is out. Yeah, but, I'm just, but, but even without him out, because T's out too. Right. Okay? If, if Jamar is this much better than their top receiver, well, their tight end is this much better than the Bengals' tight end. That's right. Okay. So, could this be the first time where he has more weapons on offense to work with than Joe Burrow, along with their running game? No, because I – listen, I, you, can, you can say whatever the hell you want. Uh, Zay Flowers leads the team. He's out with 545 yards on the season. They do have Mark Andrews, and Tom is absolutely correct. Mark Andrews is significantly better than the likes of Drew Sample. But here's the thing. They've got Odell Beckham Jr., not been very good. They've got Nelson Aguilar, not very good. You have Rashad Bateman, who has also been not very good. Uh, Rashad Bateman has 200 yards on the year. So all, and by the way, Odell and Aguilar are also in the 200, low 200 range. So no, I, they do not have better receivers coming into this game than us. I will take, I will take Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase over Odell Beckham Jr. and the Mark ghost Andrews. of Nelson Aguilar. And Mark Andrews? Mark Andrews is 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 their one is their one answer, but again, Mark Andrews can't go down deep field, so it's like the 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 threat obviously is there, but he can't break up, go loose for a sixty four yard catch. Here, here's <laughs> Elliot. Elliot bet on the Ravens one time, so <laughs> they dropped nine passes in that game. <laughs> I think that's a fair stat to bring up when their entire receiving core dropped every pass <laughs> that was thrown their way. Well, but, the most important part was the money you lost. Well, that's fine and all. That's fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, are we? Am I supposed to sit here and say two hundred yards receiving, uh, nine games into the year is good? The simple fact of the matter is, is their their receiving core has greatly improved, and that yes, it has. And that is the scary thing. As someone who is in the Ravens division with the, the Bengals, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, no T. Higgins, no Zay. If Zay Flowers was playing, I'd say sure the Ravens have a better receiving crew. But with Zay Flowers out, T. Higgins out, then, then yeah, maybe give me Jamar Chase, uh, Tyler Boyd, and the crew over Mark Andrews and 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 their backup guys. It, I mean, it, it it's pretty on par. Listen, Tom, this is this is gonna be a great game. 
both teams are, are massively banged up, and that's been the, the telltale sign of the Baltimore Ravens over the past few years is they have injuries late in the year. But they are used to this. This is something the Bengals have been very healthy, yep. except for the end, like the AFC Championship game last year. So where the Ravens are at home, the Ravens are used to being banged up. It, it, it's not smelling good for the, the Bengals. That being said, this is a Bengals team that we've seen beat anybody over the past three years. Anybody. Beat the 49ers this year. They beat a Bills team who was playing well at the time. Um, last year, obviously, they beat, beat a lot of good teams. Years before that, they went to the Super Bowl. So this is the kind of game that <laughs> can make or break the season. This is, this is no breaking news about it. It's going to be a great game. It's gonna, and I don't know what the keys are. I don't know where it's gonna break. It, it's well, we all have to bring our key to the game. That's true for Thursday show. That's true. I, all right, you already have yours, Casey. I do, I do. I don't know if you want me to say it or not. Say it. Well, go ahead, Casey. I mean, they just gotta win a shootout, kind of like what Trace said. That's your key to the game. They gotta win a shootout. They got to score more points the other team, Tom. That's the key. That's the key to the game. Here's the thing, and I see people talking about run running heavy against the the Ravens. I can't see the Bengals like if if we are getting into a smash mouth football game against the Ravens, where both teams are running the ball 35 times. Mm -hmm. How does that recipe end up with a with a Bengals win? Nobody's asking for Joe Mixon to run the ball 35 times. Nobody's asking for Joe Mixon to run the ball 20 and times. And I get that. You're at, the point of the run game is to diversify the offense a little bit. So when, so when we're lining back, they know it's either a run. They don't know if it's either a run or a pass. Right now, they know it's a pass because the run just won't ever work. It's the same exact sweep right up the gut, and it never works, ever, unless Joe Mixon breaks a couple tackles, which, God willing, he's been, he's been able to do that this season. So when when we say you want the Bengals to commit to the run, it's not that I don't want I don't want Derrick Henry type offense. I don't want that. Nobody wants that. Nobody's asking yeah. for that. They're asking for the Bengals to change it up so teams can at least or we can at least show teams the illusion of a run. We can at least say, all right, Joe Mixon in the backfield. Are we going to run it? We going to pass it? You don't know because we've been so good at it either way. Yeah. I, I, nobody wants forty-five rush rushes. The Bengals don't win that way. Reed just said it, and I agree with him. You're not going to win that game with anybody. You're not going to get into a runoff with the Ravens and, and, and win the game. Yeah, also, you're going to have to use you're going to have to use Joe Burrow. You're going to have to throw it. But the way to use Joe Burrow is to give have that allure of of being able to run. The threat of the run is is just as important as a successful run game. It and you better just, be efficient on offense because the Ravens. We know after what we saw with the Bengals defense last week, we know they are going to run it until you want to get sick. They're going to continue to run it. That's who they are. That's what they do. And right. so it's going to mean fewer possessions. If you remember the last time the Ravens played the Bengals, there were basically two quarters that were complete and eat, completely eaten up on Baltimore drives. Right. Yes, game. correct. Completely eaten up. So if, if you have to be so incredibly efficient in this game for the Bengals' offense. Whatever their philosophy is going to be, whatever it is they're going to do to change it up, run a little more, throw it 70 times, whatever they're going to do, they better be good at it. Because there might be some games where you're getting four or five possessions in the first half, four, five, six, maybe in the second half, depending on how your defense does. This game, probably not that kind of game. This has seven, eight, nine, ten-minute drives written all over it. Right. It's going to be what I mean by a shootout is 
basically what you just said. They need to be very highly efficient on offense, whether it's a low-scoring game. I mean, every, every drive needs to be points, whether that's three points or seven every time. That's the only way. Because, listen, probably going to be without Hendrickson, probably going to be without Hubbard. DJ Reader on the injury report as well. Tupo also on the injury report. Your defense, run defenders are hurt. So you got to expect them to probably want to run the ball. And if that's the case, you need to be very efficient and not allow any drives to go without any scores. See, I don't know. And, and you know, I've been around so many of these guys in different sports, and they all do it different. And I brought this up with Jackson Carmen last year before he moved to tackle in the Buffalo game, and he played his tail off. I mean, he played his tail off. He played great. Haven't seen him at all this year. He showed up, and he, you know, he wasn't ready to go. Uh, and he never played. But, you know, th th this is one of those where, and this is where I would trust in Anarumbo, but it comes down to the person you're trying to sell this to. Because some guys handle it better than other guys. This has got to be one of those where you basically bring Joseph Asai into your office for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. You bring Sample into your office, Cam Sample into your office for 10 minutes. You bring the number one pick. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? Miles Murphy. Miles, Miles Murphy, you bring him into your office for 10 minutes. You say, fellas, look, here's the deal, okay? Here's the deal. This is your time. This is your moment right now. Some of you are going to get more of those opportunities than others. More times than not, that means the higher draft pick. So if Murphy goes out there and doesn't do anything, don't think for a second he's going anywhere because he's not. He's a number one pick. But this is a moment where you have to look these guys in the eye and say, fellas, I don't care what has happened to this point in time right now. I don't care. I don't want you to care. I want you to just completely erase it from your mind. Any doubts, any woulda, coulda, shouldas from the first nine weeks of this season. But Thursday night is now your time to become who you want to be. And they've got to have players become what they want to be because of all of the injuries that we've talked about on this defense and especially the defensive line. And, you know, you got to look at guys even like Pratt and Wilson. They've had great moments this year. Where were they against Houston? I'm not even sure they ever called their name on television. Might have not. So, I mean, you got to look at them and say, fellas, look, we got basically three rookies that are having to play at any given time here. You got to step in there and make a play. You got to look in there at Nick Scott and you got to say, son. We brought you in here for a reason. And that was to be a starting good safety in the National Football League for a potential championship team. Now, when are you going to start playing like it? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. I, now, you might get manhandled out there. You might get man. You might just all of a sudden line up. And I mean you blood, sweat, and tears, and you got some dude from Baltimore who's just wearing your ass out. Mm -hmm. That could happen, and it does happen. 
And the Ravens do that to a lot of people. They just demoralize you the way they run the ball. But this is their time right now. Tom, yeah, I mean, the, the, the two worst defensive performances this year were, I would say, obviously last week against the, the Texans and then back in week two against the Baltimore Ravens. And the common theme in both those defensive performances were we weren't getting to the quarterback. We weren't getting any pressure on them. That's the key. That, that's, that's a major key to every defense in the National Football League. That's a key in college. That's a key in football in general. But if we can't get home against Lamar Jackson, if we can't keep Lamar Jackson in check, then, then the Bengals just truly don't stand a chance. And that's, that's where you, as you alluded to, you got to have one of these guys step up. You got to have one of these guys have a game to where when we're talking in the offseason about, hey, should we bring should, should we should we bring back Cam Sample? Should should we in a, a few years down the line when Miles Murphy's done be like, hey, remember that game he had against the Baltimore That's Ravens right. on Thursday night football? That's right. This guy's a gamer. We got to keep him around. This is this is nut cutting time, as we like to say on off the bench. That's what we like to say. That's right. Next man up, baby. Do we have a uh, mailbox today? Uh, we do. Hit it. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. How about that? How about that? Another mailbag today. Another mailbag today. Today's mailbag, Tom, it comes from sweet little Chris from Mrs. Christie's class. Chris just qualified for this. Chris just qualified for this. For the debate? Almost. Chris just qualified for the second grade national spelling bee. Wow. He got all the way to the finals, but misspelled fraudulent. The language of origin was in Buffalo, but it still couldn't help sweet little Chris. He got home and his parents burned all of his thesauruses. And as a resident's Bills fan, Chris wants to know, why are the Bills such a fraudulent program? Why are they such a, a fraudulent franchise? I, and we have a, I have a play. You mentioned James Cook. I sent this play to uh, Casey on OLX.com. So what happened yesterday, James Cook, and again, this is just... A turnover, a turnover riddled team. Yep. Every time they get the ball, they're just going to throw the ball away. James Cook, their biggest play of the game, I believe, it was about 46 yards or something like that. James Cook was running down the field, and in the midst of his run, Tom dropped it, dropped the football. Yep. It bounced right back into his arms, and he just kept on running. And that's what this team is. They're going to throw the ball away whenever they want. There he goes. Good run. Whoops. Oh, right back into his arms. Big league play. As someone who may or may not have had James Cook to score a touchdown yesterday. Yeah. That one hurt a little bit. Thought he could have broke free. He had to dribble it. He had to dribble it. You know, my Pee-wee, I think it was my fourth grade year, I had something very similar happen to me. Bounced right in front of me, bounced right back in my hands. Nice. Took it for the house, though, so... They're wow. a little different. Wow. I like to ruin uh, sports movies for Elliot. You remember the movie with uh, Mark Wahlberg, Invincible? Yeah. Where he, he makes the team, right? He makes, uh, he makes, makes the Eagles. makes the Eagles, right? And the, the, the big culminating scene is he blocks the punt mm-hmm. and then runs 50 yards to the house. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that play really happen, like the actual tape of the play? No. So in the thing, he, he blocks it. And then he picks it up and runs 50 yards to the house. If you watch the actual tape on the play, 
it's on the one yard line and literally someone else blocks it. And literally, he's just back there and the ball bounces up to him and he like takes one step in. Damn. <laughs> another movie. Another but, movie ruined. That's but that's not. But, but, but that, that, that's not good theater. Right. 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 Just like we have to lie about how the 2002 Oakland Athletics weren't any good. That despite, was despite having the most valuable player, the Cy Young. Who says they weren't any good? That's how the movie portrays them, Tom. They don't bring up Barry Zito or Miguel Tejada, who won the Cy Young and MVP one time in that movie. And they shouldn't, because it was everybody knows it was Jonah Hill. Yeah, instead it was it was Scott Hatterberg and David Justice that they were talking about. And they talk about in that movie they also talk about how Carlos Pena was a rookie of the year candidate. He batted like one seventy. He ruins all these movies for me, Tom. He does. That's your so, movie. That's your movie. It's my you movie. are in the movie. That's you, right. you were featured heavily I in the movie. I am heavily featured in both uh, Swamp Kings and uh, Moneyball. Yes. <laughs> Swamp Kings and Moneyball. That's what I got going for me uh, at this point in time. Uh, anything else? You said you watched some of the Xavier game last night, by the way. Yeah, I did. I did watch a, a little bit of this. Were you game. encouraged by it? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I, as someone who literally did not know any of the players besides Desmond Claude yeah. coming into this yeah. year, yeah. I, I really like, uh, I think uh, <laughs> Paul brought it up last week that he thinks I'd like Trey Green. Watched Trey Green play yesterday. Love Trey Green. He's a hustler. He's got big hair. Uh, he made a big You're right. Yeah, he was, he was a good Played great yesterday. Took some bad shots, but other than that, he you know he played great. I really like Trey Green. Um, this is a team that I I figured was their ceiling was a bubble team. I don't know if I feel any any worse or, or better about that, but I do feel a lot more confident going into December 9th at Centos against the the Bear Kittens. So Ooh, I, wa- I watched Bear the- Kittens. Okay, we'll file that away, Casey. Yeah, please, file that. Please yeah, mark I'll, that I'll- that we can bring that back. Um, later, that last sentence right there. Yeah, we'll clip it out. The, yeah, please clip it out. Go ahead. I, I watched the game last night, and I will say Xavier looked good for majority of that game. Even even towards yeah, the end when, when Purdue kind of started expanding the lead, Xavier was still hitting big shot after big shot. They were they were staying they were they were staying tough. Uh, I thought that Djokovic guy was going to play. He did not. He ended up not suiting up. Uh, and again, if they had if they had the injuries, if they or if they if they had Fremantle and. Um, Jerome Hunter, mm-hmm. yep. I think they would be a they would be a bona fide tournament team, but they don't, so they're gonna have to fight through this. I think it's gonna be t- a tough sledding for them. Big East is arguably the best conference in basketball this year, arguably. Ah, Big Twelve. Well, the Big East, yeah, they got four teams. What in the top top ten? Top ten. You're Creighton. You're Creighton Blue Jays, Tom. You want to talk about? I a love team that Creighton. Creighton. I love Creighton. I love the coach. I love the town. I love the whole setup, but they're never, they're not making a Final Four run. They're not. Neither's Marquette. They're not making one either. They still got that one dude I really like at Marquette. The point guard, what's his name? Uh, I don't know. Guy's a stud. Mouse Capo, no, I wouldn't. But Guy's a stud. Oh, Villanova lost last night. You see that? Yes, yeah, so they did to Penn. To Penn. <laughs> yes. To Penn. Hey, Ivy League's tough. Jay Wright retired on top, baby. That's how you do Boy, it. Boy, did he ever. Ivy League's tough. Got the hell out of town in Are a they heartbeat. Doing the- are they doing that uh, Philadelphia Classic? Is that what is that what that game was? I think so. Because it was in Penn. Two. It was at Penn, right? Yeah, they do all those five teams that are from uh, yeah. Philadelphia. Who are the other three? Temple. And St. Joe's. St. Joe's. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Marquette, speaking of Marquette, they have a big game tonight. They play uh, against Illinois. Illinois is good. Uh, that's in the Gavit tip-off matchup tonight. I um, wish. Go ahead. I wish that they would uh, throw some of these non-conference games once conference play starts. Because 
it's hard to get up for college basketball in November because there's college football, there's NFL football. It really doesn't feel like college basketball really hits its stride until January. And I would like to see, I mean, at that point, it's just nothing but conference games. I believe the SEC may play some out-of-conference games, but I would like to see some, like, the Gavit games, which I think are going away. It'd be great if they played those in, like, late January. So you got to see, once we kind of figure out who all these good teams are, get to see, you know, Purdue play Xavier, Purdue play Marquette, something like that. That would be... I wish they played some non-conference. Games I agree. Later. I think if I think if the crosstown shootout was later in the season, I think UC would have a lot more wins. Yeah, whatever you want to believe, whatever you want to believe. UC is going to win that game this year. I'm trying to see if this dude's still around. I, I, it's me. Oh yeah, he's there. It's Tyler Kolick. Mm. He's a senior this year. Guy's a total total stud. Uh, gamer. You know, better player than Adam Kunkel, but Adam Kunkel esque. Gamer, tough, wants a ball when it matters. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I do have a cherry on top for you, Tom. I just sent it to KC. So this cherry on top is is what Bills fans will, will remember most of Ken Dorsey. This was his freak out. In, I know, I remember this. This was his freak out upstairs in the booth. Yeah. So this is this this is gonna be our cherry on top, but good for them for making a move, by the way. I their season's teetering. Get rid get rid of the guy. The offense hasn't looked good at all, so might as well fire him. So this is... <laughs> I think this is in a game they won. I think I, you're right. I, I don't know. That was like a near game-winning play, right? Was it like, like a Patriot? Who was that against? I don't know. Was it a playoff game? I don't know who that was, but they won that game. I'm almost certain of it. And that's Ken Dorsey just going nuts with the cameras on him. Speak, did you guys watch the game last night, like, a lot? Yeah. That, that, that touchdown pass from Russell to Cortland Sutton? That was awesome. That was the most bull junk touchdown pass I've ever seen. It was what, still cool. What do you mean? It was, cool. it was an unbelievable play. Tom, what are you he, talking about? It was a great play. It's a great throw, great catch. Oh, my God. He just floated that thing up there. That was, that was bull junk. That was a bunch of bull junk. That was a great play by Russell. It was a Wilson. great. It was a great play by Cortland Sutton, no doubt about it. I think it was a. I think I saw Next Gen Stats had that at like a three percent catch probability. So don't tell me it was a good throw. It's a great throw. Don't tell only me only place good... he could have got it and got in. If you That's throw right. the ball, I don't care if you throw it underhand. If you throw it to somebody and they catch it in the end zone and the, an official goes like this, mm-hmm. that's a hell of a pass. It's a hell of a pass. Like when Deshaun Watson threw it off someone's face mask. And that's exactly and right. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's your guy, Tom. No, he's not my guy. But <laughs> you guys you guys are just ridiculous when it comes to this guy. He hasn't looked good, though, to be fair. I... 14 for 14 in the second half. He beat the Ravens in Baltimore. I know a, now, now, if you look, I, we, we, we're tongue What was cheek. his first half stats, tongue Tom? And, tongue, they're terrible. Tongue and cheek <laughs> a, lo- a lot here. You know, the one thing that the Browns do and that they were able to do against Baltimore is run the ball. I mean, Ford only had like 17 carries or something for like 110 yards, something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's not like that they were – because they had to play catch-up, so they weren't running it as much as they normally would because they fell behind big early, rallied late. 24 second half points. But we're sitting here talking about Baltimore like they're unbeatable. They're not unbeatable. No. I mean, they looked unbeatable 
when they played blowout wins at home yep. against Detroit and Seattle. And I think most people thought, based on watching those two games, that they were going to blow up Cleveland. Didn't happen. So they're beatable, Case. I don't want you to get down. I can tell you're down already this week. It bothers me. If these other guys are down, I, I, I don't worry about it. I don't care. Do you think they're you, down? When you're down, I get worried. Tom, I just I, I only want to mentally prepare myself is all. I've I've done this every season and it's worked out. But this year, like you said, it's just a little different. It's a little different. So I'm I'm gonna be nervous. It's not obviously he, it's not over if they lose, but it, AFC North is over. If they yes, lose. if they lose, yes, yes, it is over if they lose. My favorite take of Reeds is that any running back can come to the NFL and be successful because it's one hundred percent true. Correct. This Keaton Mitchell character that the Ravens are throwing out there, dude's a stud. He's gonna run all over us. <laughs> Keaton Mitchell. So just, are you saying ahead of time, based on your just comment? I mean, to interrupt you there, Reed, but I'm just curious. We only have a couple minutes left. Are you saying that they are going to get drilled Thursday night? They, it, the Bengals? Yeah, I do. I don't know, I don't know what drilled means. Uh, I, I don't think they get blown out, but I think they lose by 10. I think they lose by two scores. That's a blowout. That's a, that's a blowout in the National Football League. I think, they, I think they lose this game. I think they lose this game 27-17. Mm. We'll do our full picks on Thursday. Joe Mixon. These are his carries, attempts, and big games that the Bengals have had over the past three years. 16 attempts against the 49ers this year, 14 attempts against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, last year... The playoff game, he was phenomenal against Buffalo. Had 20. He had 20 in that game. Um, he also had... 20. That was with a banged-up offensive line. That's right. Carmen was a left tackle in that game. Correct. Uh, a couple years ago, when they beat Kansas City, he had 12... When we scored 41 against the Ravens, he had 18. When we scored 41 against the Ravens the other time, he had 12. So, I don't know. I feel like this offense does – yes, I would, I would like to see success at the run game. I don't think we need to be handing the ball off 20 times. Again. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I mean, you're going against the grain on those games. They played great. He was getting it almost that many times, touching it for sure that many times, including catches out of the backfield. Tom, uh, Red, Red's, Nick, Red's made a move yesterday. You see that big move? Cubs got crawled. The Reds, the Red. This was yesterday. The Reds signed PJ Higgins to uh, a minor league contract. It'll make a lot of noise for the Reds this year. Now Nick Kirby reminds us that PJ today, Higgins. tonight by six o'clock, is a deadline to protect players from the Rule Five draft. So without walking through all of the particulars of that, basically, if you have a very good farm system, which the Reds have. And a player's been in the minor leagues. It's basically like free agency for minor league players that have not been rushed up quickly enough. And oftentimes, you'll see that in a guy who signs when he's 16 or 17 out of the Dominican is the way you'll see this most of the time or wherever. Because, you know, physically, they're just not ready to go above rookie ball for a couple of years and maybe then A ball a couple of years. And you can't just leave them stuck with one team for six, seven, eight, nine years. So your players can be now available to other teams, which generally, if you're a franchise, you're just like, well, you know, if there's a chance we're going to lose this guy, this guy, and this guy, because you can't protect them all, that you could see trades made. And there's been a lot of talk about trades. I saw where Jeff Passan from ESPN is saying the, that the Reds have said that um, Jonathan India is out there. 
I'll tell you, the more and more time went by this year, I don't know about that one anymore. You don't I know you are a big proponent of it. Of keeping Jonathan. You're no, not, tra- not you, trading him. You're I a proponent of keeping him? I want to keep Jonathan. I agree. I think I agree. I think I you listen. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bash depth. I think this is depth. Uh, I know the infield's packed right now. Having Jonathan India as, as the backup second baseman is fine by me. He's under contract. If you don't if you say you don't want to pay him a couple million dollars to play that role, that's your that's your prerogative. But it it just depends on what you can get. Obviously, if you're gonna get somebody decent, I think if you're gonna get a ready now player for Jonathan India, I, I make the trade. But if you're going to play the prospect game and you're going to keep playing the prospect game, which, again, has worked. But I, as of right now, I'd like to see next year's team uh, be successful. And I think Jonathan India helps that. Helps that. Well, Ian Jabot, we know, will be right here uh, next year. That we know. That, that we know. He was solid. He was solid. Hello. Uh, my dad is not on tomorrow. He's joining us Thursday. You know, I don't even know where he is anymore. I, I really don't. He's gone so much. Um, you know, I'll hear from him every now and again. He called yesterday just to see if he could change it to Thursday. He said, he said got something coming up. You know, I, I don't know if he's in North Carolina. He was in Florida, Nova Scotia. Wearing the poncho. Well, he might be up. You know, he might have he 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 found a way of being down in Florida to get over somewhere close to the water, to get out on the, 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 the seas, the high seas. I see. <laughs> Captain Marty. Tom, who's the most famous uh, Rule 5 draft guy that the Reds have gotten recently? It's Josh Hamilton, right? They got Josh uh, Hamilton yeah, in the Rule right. 5 draft. That's exactly right. They sure I did. I think actually the Cubs drafted him and then traded him. That's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, generally, that's not the deal. Um, oh, come on, Justin. Come on. Come on. Uh, the high seeds. You're right. Okay. Um, everybody have a great rest of your day. Tomorrow, um, we've got a lot going on. We've got our buy or sell, right? Right. Got our buy or sell. We've got our power rankings. Yes, we do. College and pro, the college football playoff rankings come out tonight. Talk about that. Right. Um, we've got a very serious reads top five as they often are. No question. No question. And And you uh, have a sync list ready to go tomorrow. Is that right? Yeah. I have one ready to go. It's had to have changed. The Brownies have to be moving. A lot of movement the last couple of weeks, Tom. Lots of movement. I'm going to be interested to see where you have the Bengals compared to the Browns tomorrow. One team is six and three. One team is five and four. And the six and three team has beaten the five and four team. Just throwing it out there. All right. Uh, thank all of you for joining us. Uh, this is going to be a quick week here now. I mean, it's fun to be able to, you know, have two games in a week. Because yeah. we can get Very after fun. it on this show now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, Tom. I mean, you come in here and bludgeon everybody, and Elliot and Casey and I are trying to talk guys up. That's right. That's me. That's, That's me. That's all right. right. All right. Guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, all Tom. of you. We'll see you again. Good morning. 10 a tomorrow. Is there any show coming up now? Nope. Nope. All right. Your show is going to run when? Tomorrow, 5, or not 5.30, 7.30, but tonight, 5.30, Kyle 5.30, Kasky. Kyle Kasky. You are tomorrow night at 7.30. We can talk more about that tomorrow when you and JT get back together. That's right. All right. Everybody have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the sunshine.